Welcome back once again to WTF and Monadeal. As always, I'm Spicy Ryan, and my tapeworm tells me what to do here with... The Fox Danger. And today we're joined by our astute, learned guest... Various. And we're going to talk about NAJP relations, differences, whatever the difference between NA and JP are. Anything under the rainbow there. Yeah, it's a kind of a mystery to a lot of us over time. Um, I know that I used to, for whatever reason, get like people thought I was JP until they realized I, I would actually like talk, and then they they thought I wasn't. I've always wanted to know more about the mysteries as to why people would think that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it seemed like an interesting. It, well, I guess, but it seemed like a really interesting topic, so we definitely wanted to have him on here to uh, to actually be someone who knows something about this stuff instead of just like, hey, I played with Japanese players once, and this is what uh, my NA self thought of it sort of thing. Maybe they thought you were Japanese because you didn't give a shit about talking to anyone and just play the game. Who knows? I guess that's what we're here to kind of find out, possibly. And I guess from what perspective is that is that statement actually true? But yeah. So do you want to do the meet and greet here? Uh, wait, so various of what server? I'm on Cerberus now. So originally I was on Titan in the bad old days. The bad old days? Oh, I for a minute. Is that what we call the 75 era now, or what's the bad old days? Yeah, 75, like a bit after release. Actually, technically, I got the game on release, and then I was Black Mage and Surda Bruda, and that didn't end uh, too well. It got to like level five and then got killed by a Yagudo, and I just decided to quit. Um, <laughs> then I just stopped playing for a few months. But there were a few other kids, and I was in high school at the time, a few other kids who were playing, and they're like, oh, you should come play. And then so I did, and then just everything took off from there. And when you say the bad old days, in my mind, just to be honest here, uh, the first thing I went to is, like, Gary Oldman's heydays here. Like, it's the old days, you know, that's, so that's, that's where my mind went. Oh, yeah. So old that no one actually camped Fafnir. <laughs> oh, boy. Wait, no one camped Fafnir on your server? No, not for a while. We just, like, monopolized it. Like, after I got 75, I was joining this H&M shell, and then we just started getting Fafnir. Actually, there was a bit of drama with some JPs over that. Um, Want to talk about NAJP relations? Because they uh, a JP shell once uh, flailed. Um, it flailed our first Nidhogg claim. Like, intentionally with darters and shit, or...? And... Um, so there, it was before the um, assist off, before you could yeah. like stop people from oh, assisting so you. Yeah, and so they had their paladin like cure, like stand behind and then cure our paladin and invincible. So that was a lot of fun. It's the classic MPK. So is that? So did, I mean, before we even get too into the the woods and the start here, is that how the the slash assist feature came into being? Because JP were grieving other people, or is it just because everyone grieves everyone? That was a common. <laughs> That and the uh, the change to Beastmaster, the you know no trains. I figured it was more of an NA thing too, like MPKing and, and trolling people and, and being a bad sport, shall you say, was more of like a NA kind of thing. Is that not the case, or that's pretty equal opportunity? Like really? there was actually a pretty big um, JP Beastmaster on Titan. I forget his name now, but uh, he was just infamous for MPKing any party that came into his own. He was level one. Like before they made the monsters disappear. So for those who don't know, back in what, I think December 2005 off the top of my head would be the patch that stopped um, 
the MPKs. People would drag like all the crawlers to the start of the crawler's nest or all the mobs and the dunes there, and they would run back and aggro people along the way. They would have to use zoned. So that it would take like twenty minutes to reset too. Yeah, it's it's in hindsight, I don't know how SE never thought of it because could you imagine all the mobs are gone from the camp and you don't know where they are in the map and it's like they're walking back slowly because we know how mobs walk back in this game really slow after you've died to them or something. Yeah, another really funny scenario was in the Yatunga jungle because one of the Goblin Smithy camps was like right at the zone line. So you would see parties zoning in to try to find camps and, and they killed. would zone in to where a Goblin Smithy's rogue bomb killed a party and that Smithy would just keep aggroing the party before they were ready. That's great. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Like some people like zone in the Goblin would never go back to where it needed to go. So then everyone had to home point. It was just like an awful endeavor that took like hours. Like zoning into Garlage to Citadel and just dying immediately. Yeah, Garlage is another one where that would take place. Yeah, for sure. That's even worse because that's sound aggro. Yep. So, Fox, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just uh, same shit, different day, kind of. Old SSDD. Um, I don't have any like cool pug stories for today, but I am going to do a, a quick thing here uh, regarding something that I just did, most likely around a pug group. So I go to Camp Centurio because I'm deciding, hey, I might as well load up on those Ionic Pop items uh, for like a run that, that the group wants to do to just get like one more weapon or whatever. So I'm like, hey, I'll just farm all this stuff out. So I'm getting Centurio for whatever like Ruan mob. I know I could buy it, but I might as well farm. And I decide to go out on Summoners of Samurai. And of course, because I'm on Summoners of Samurai, I, I'm obviously using my Claustrum because I made that thing and it's fucking terrible. So I watched this party wipe to Centurio uh, 21, and I then decide to take their spot after they home point or whatever, and I proceed to just solo it over and over and over again as a melee summoner with uh, with Leviathan. And like the, the group <laughs> was like checking me and shit. But you did when have they, claustrum they on? Back. Yeah, they saw that a, a fucking claustrum summoner was doing that. <laughs> <at their party. laughs> That's great. With like a bunch of trusts and stuff, and so yeah, I mean, I just found that kind of funny, uh, so I figured I would share that. But there's, it really doesn't go any deeper than that. There's like no weird drama or anything. Like they clearly home pointed. I didn't like steal their spot or anything like that. It's just, it's just kind of funny because like you wouldn't expect to like from their point of view to like walk up and see like a summoner, let alone a claustrum summoner, like doing anything of of any kind of notability. And it's not like Centurio is even hard. And yeah, the claustrum does really terrible weapon skill damage. But it was just fun for me to do it that way because making the skill chain with the avatar was just a really entertaining way of killing the mob. Well, you, you know why it does it. terrible damage? You got an R15 it, man. That way you can get in these ambuscade shots. <laughs> That's right. You show my R15 claustrum. I'm an R15 summoner. Tell them they'll bring you right in. Man, I might break like five digit damage at that point. You never know. It's got to feels bad, man, when you just your group loses to something. They probably got nuked to death because his nukes are powerful. Yes. Uh, and just running up there, and I'm watching this this fucking claustrum summoner just chipping away at the old mob there. Oh yeah, because I wasn't even brute forcing it. Like my fights took like four minutes each. Wow. And so like when it did its one hour, it would like nuke me. But because of like claustrum aftermath and the and the gear that that summoner actually wants to wear when you're when you build a good TP set, um, I actually had full DT on. So I was just eating these these horrible nukes, and then Leviathan was just healing me up. <laughs> Do you want to, since so no fun. one uses Claustrum, do you want to describe the aftermath? Because I'm trying to think at the top of my head what it is. It's, is it magic it's attack uh, down on the... Okay, so the weapon skill gives, a 50, I think it's like 15% attack down or something. It might be 20% attack down. Um, 
but that's not the, the important part. It also gives you a 15 a tick uh, refresh, and then it gives you 20% damage taken generic. Okay, so it's the DT on, on cost. Right? Yeah, so basically you you end up capping all d generic DT. Like, I have 50% DT in my set. And because I'm also wearing, like, some Naomi pieces, like, I'm wearing, like, Bunzi hands and stuff like that, like, the, the, the damage wasn't really doing anything to me, and I was just, like, self-skill chaining with myself and the Avatar and, like, doing Apogee combinations of magic bursts and stuff. Um, the staff isn't, like, super good because you get no Avatar magic attack bonus, which is really important for things like Flaming Crush. But if you do, like, Spinning Dive or um, uh, Hysteric Assault or uh, Volt Strike, uh, those ones aren't as impacted. Um, obviously, a Nirvana is going to be better for the people who are going to jump in and be like, well, what about Nirvana? What about Dish? Everyone uses yeah. But you're not really missing as much as people think you are when you're not using the Gritivore. Um, that's the um, the attack accuracy and, like, multi-attack staff. Like, obviously, that one's better also. It sounds like you're trying but... to sell Claustrum here. No, no, no. I'm just explaining what Claustrum is doing, really. So it's providing DT, and it's not as much of a detriment as people think, but it's also not good to do weapon skills on Summoner because you're not ever really going to do any real damage. So a, a lot of times people don't know why you're using a Nirvana, so I guess I was kind of like speaking to that. And um, you do notice on your staff when you don't have any like magic attack bonus for the avatar, and that's the main thing I wanted to point out. And honestly, that's the biggest weakness the staff has is that it does not have magic attack bonus on the as a, as a staff for the avatar on it. It'd be fancy if it did. It, it would be usable. It could I be think. MAB for everyone, not just pets. It could be like player and pet <laughs> MAB plus, and that would actually be a big improvement in my mind for stats on weapons that give them like it's it's not just a summoner weapon. It's obviously for Black Mage as well. And yeah. Scholar's not on it, right? Because no, yeah, it came later, so they didn't even put it on it. They said Scholar will get a mythic, and yeah, fuck you, Scholar. Is what they. I kind of wish Scholar was on it though, because it should it, be. It's like... not like it matters, but it should be. Yeah, it gives you like a, a double darkness potential because their Imperian weapon skill is Merker, so you don't get like an additional darkness close, and this would at least provide an additional darkness close for extended skill chains. Frankly, I don't see why they don't just put those shops because they mentioned it before about blue and Excalibur and something and I remember about how they're not doing that because no and there's many oh, years ago cool, like Excalibur. 75 era I would be so stoked if blue got put on Excalibur it would make sense to put all these jobs weapons I mean I mean yeah. Mandao is not that fancy put dancer on it who cares <laughs> but yeah I just figured I'd share that because it was funny for one to accomplish something as a solo summoner with a terrible weapon that a group failed at and then for two it was actually just kind of a fun way to pass the time pre-show something to do but other than that i don't really have much else going on um what about you man oh you know don't worry fox because we have no email we have no segments this week no worst no worst thread of the week because the post that would have qualified was too much of a softball someone yeah that about. was me shooting that one down. No, 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 you were correct you're correct as soon as you said it i'm like yeah this guy's this guy's sometimes fox is correct but uh i will say that Drelo commented to our embos v15 and said, nice one, you done it. Yeah, because, I mean, we did the cookie cutter strat. Uh, so I said, I said, no, best job in the game did it. That's a throwback <laughs> to our Blue Mage episode. That's fair. That, that's funny with Draylo, with Draylo commenting, too. So I think it's the only time he's ever commented on our YouTube, so that was good. Well, to be fair about cookie cutter, I mean, uh, Zola actually posted on his Twitter, actually his friend Shonuts, um, he posted a, a link to the uh, Famitsu article where they're talking with the developers. Oh, God. And they, 
And they mentioned, you know, the fact that uh, Rampart strategy wasn't what they were thinking about. And this guy just says, well, please tell us, what strategy were you thinking about? Yeah, right. I mean, like, it's, pets obviously aren't working, so they just get mollywomp, you know? Yeah, like, the only other strat is uh, inhibiting TP feed. And you're absolutely right. They're getting mollywomps. Like, every other thing, like, that happens. Because, like, if you throw pets at it, like, it would seem like it would be designed to be fought. Um, you just don't have the magic evasion on those pets to survive any of these attacks. Or specifically word. uproot. So that was the pain point for us, was uproot. Like, even with 87.5 magic damage taken, right? It's just, yeah. it's not. Yeah, we went into it before on the previous one, how I said we're doing it correctly, and that's the strat as SE, in my opinion, intended. But since is not balanced out, player buffs and pet buffs and pet gear... We, they don't have the buffs that are required by players to live. Because if the players had 87.5 or hit by it, they'd die too. With no magic evasion? Yeah, yeah, with no magic evasion, no carols, no nothing, they would die too. No Sherzo? Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it runs into like a pet buff problem. Like, since the pets can't wear gear, I think pets need more buffs to be a more viable source. And they don't introduce pet buffs. Yeah, like, all you really get is just a huge form of making the pet do more damage through, like, Corsairs or, you know, enfeebling Geobubbles. And that's kind of a shame because I think pets can do a lot more than that, especially if you want like a Beastmaster with play, play with a pet on the front line. Um, I have always advocated for that, that form of play. And the problem always ends up being is that magic attacks will still ravage your pet, especially when they're, they get higher and higher levels. You do harder and harder things just because of that innate magic evasion that is not there. All they like have to do so far. to keep it balanced because obviously SC's concern has always been we don't just want to buff pets and have pets be invincible because 87.5 plus, you know, uh, Carol's and Scherzo, you know, they don't want to just make pets invincible and go back to the, the ye old days of Beastmaster one hour, kill every mob in the game, no challenge, which is understandable. But all you have to do is give every job empathy natively. So, and don't make it full yeah. potency. Every, every time you get shell or because the Dragoon's Wyvern gets it, that's not, a, I mean, obviously it doesn't do the damage that, you know, a, a beast pet or a puppet or avatar oh. would do, but just give it a 50% potency of every song given to you also applies to the pet. You have tandem blow, just give it tandem empathy or some bullshit to every pet job, and there you go. I would like an easier way for empathy to transfer songs to something like a wyvern too. Like, speaking of wyvern, because I've gone Dragoon to those fights that we've got, we've had you go to Dragoon to also. Yeah. And the, the part that I didn't like about playing Dragoon is that I constantly had to, like, panic when when fetters would come out because the fetters would absolutely maul that stupid wyvern even in um i can't remember the like name. you would need steady wing like and but steady wing has like a five minute recast i keep steady wing gear on me for bumba because uh you know you need the extra hp i use steady Wing before I even go in and if i don't get the right empathy transfers over with uh, spirit link there's a huge difference in the survivability of my wyvern in that fight and I have to I fight in, yeah. I had to. Yeah, I you to lost fight. it on that last attempt we did. Yeah, because just like it lost like half its HP, and usually I don't have a problem. So it's just having to use because I don't get buffs outside to get me a jump start on that. I just get the stupid, you know, uh, tacticians, tacticians, yeah. and you know, okay, we're gonna go in, and then Felgar takes forever as as he does. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's funny. Last time we were in, he's like, "Oh no, I was in healing. I didn't sing any of my songs," and I'm like, "You fucking." you like notice that if you're actively playing your job though uh, you know like, i didn't want to say that because i just wanted to go kill the mob i didn't want to argue but i started like, picking on him notice immediately. If you were healing. he immediately got the know. pick um but yeah i have to fight in the plus two collar because otherwise it gets destroyed and 
I shouldn't have to resort to Spirit Bond like I do sometimes for Bumba. Because sometimes it's not a problem. I can ride uh, Spirit Link. It's fine. But other times it's a problem and I have to use Spirit Bond and hope that, you know, it's not a problem. I found on most content that's worth a damn, if I'm on Dragoon, I almost always am wearing that color just because it keeps the, the dragon so safe, the wyvern so safe. And before these tier threes and fours, uh, there was never a problem keeping the wyvern alive for 99% of NMs in the game. It was only with these new recent ones and all their AoEs and everything that it became like a problem again. But nonetheless. Yeah, and the bloody gauntlets are a real godsend in that regard, especially yeah, now that you oh, augment yeah. them. Yeah. That's in my DT set now. I, it doesn't matter. Nayame's not going in there for DT. It's going to be the, the collar and the hands. That way, the Wyvern is never in trouble. The 26 Magic Evasion. <laughs> Shut the fuck up with the 26 Magic Evasion. Oh, God. 26 Magic Evasion. Acro Gauntlets. So, in keeping in tradition with the fruit beers lately, I decided to pull out another fruit beer. This one I actually had on hand next to all the wine bottles, because it is a vintage Belgian. So let's do the, the whole cork thing here, because... Oh, okay, that was easy. Oh. Oh. Nothing broke? Nothing broke. It was in my hand. It just... I'm used to, you know, sparkling corks that come off really easily. This one kind of... Yeah, just... that, that pop felt kind of, like, premature and left me yeah, outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was... Every guy's got a premature pop sometimes. It, like, as, oh. soon as, I, as soon as I gave it a, the slightest of tugs, it just fucking went. Yeah, man. That's what it seemed like. This cherry beer. It's a creek. So we talked about this, about this a little bit pre-show, but like I, I don't, as someone who used to sell alcohol, like I can understand like older wines, but not super old wines because those obviously turn to vinegar eventually. This is a six-year-old but, beer. Yeah, a six-year-old beer. So when I'm used to looking at beer, like if a beer became six years old, that like that was a rolled beer or or like a a, a fucking dead beer at that point. And I don't know how this can survive six years. It must have, like, the blackest bottle and been kept out of, like, direct sunlight and shit. Well, it comes um, wrapped in the fancy paper. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, you have to crinkle the paper, of course. <laughs> no, it's a Belgian, and, and those are meant to go the distance here. So this could go, I don't know how many years this could go, but I have several of them, and I figured it's the 40th episode. We have an awesome guest. Let's uh, bring out the Belgian. I guess it is, huh? This thing is, yeah, 40th episode. This is special. This thing is red as the day is uh, deep here. So at any rate, so I'm doing fine, I guess. Now that I have this, I'm better. But uh, only thing I have is my story of the dentist this week for how I am. Yeah. What happened to the dentist? Ooh, that's good. So um, you should try. If only you were here, Fox, you might even like this. This is, you know, we've, we've taken from bad fruit beers to, you know, okay, this is like kind of balanced, kind of mediocre Look, to good fruit beer. I would, I would never not try. Like I've tried all sorts of like alcohols and stuff doing like the previous job that I did like a long time ago. But I, I mean, I just would never like seek it out and try to order it, but I would never like turn it down. Try it's just fruit in my beer is just weird to me. And it's like maybe 77 in my house, so it's not the 43 degrees of Fox, and this is room temperature. So there you go, the full effect of delicious flavor. Mm -hmm. So I go to the dentist for like the first time in six years or something. It's been a while. I just never got around to it, you know? It's kind of like picking your kid up from school. You just, I didn't get around to it for six years. Nonetheless. So I'm sitting there, and I walk in. And there's this middle-aged pasty chubster of a guy sitting there waiting for his turn. And I, get, I, I look at him and I size him up because that's what you do. It's a natural thing to judge people. I size him up 
and I sit down and smirk because I anticipate what this guy's like. And lo and behold, we both get called at the same time, and his name is Joshua. And I'm like, oh, of course it is, Joshua, you're up. And so he's in the room next to me. And so apparently my teeth at the Sixers were so good that they didn't even have to get the machine. She's just like, I'll do this by hand. Your teeth are looking, you know, how long's it been? And I, I, I don't believe that. And I'm like, well, I brush, I guess. I, I guess that works. So I'm reclined in the chair, pick and mouth and all. And this guy is getting a filling or something, and he's in the room next to me. And they're not closed rooms because it's a dentist's office. They're just rooms, like a cubicle kind of thing, but with full walls, naturally. And he's sitting there, and he goes, so, did anyone here get COVID? Did anyone here die? And so I stick my finger up at the dentist at this point, and she takes the pick out of my mouth, and I go, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I go, there's a time and a place. What is this? And he starts going on. And so, because I go, is that really how you uh, start the conversation here? Does anyone in your office die? So he's going on. He goes, yeah, I was in a hospital. We had all these people dying. And, you know, they get these fish eyes and they're, you know, they're dead. And then their family comes in. They've been dead for hours and they're begging you to do CPR on them. And they've been dead for these hours. and You got to do CPR on these dead people because their family won't accept they're dead. And, you know, this one woman, she she threw up and she died. So they're making you do CPR and the vomit's coming out of her. And this is literally the fucking story I'm hearing. And so at this point, we've stopped scraping my teeth so I can whisper to my nice dentist. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? What what the fuck is this? (laughs) And I I go, you know, because the dentist that's fixing him, which I wish would just put the thing in his mouth and shut him the fuck up, is like too nice to say stop it. So I'm like, this lady's too nice to say, stop it. I'm like, I don't want to have to get out of this chair here, okay? I'm reclined. Can you hear this guy stop it? He's being a fucking a dunce. So that was my dentist story, because eventually they gave him his filling, and he was in and out, and, you know, had more of his not disgusting conversation. Not that I don't care. Like, to me, it didn't bother me. It was more like a, what the fuck am I hearing right now? It was like, like the women that are working on people are clearly uncomfortable. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing right now? And uh, it went on to more of those, like, you know, basic, I'm a lonely, single, middle-aged guy named Joshua conversations. Like, yeah, you know, so I was thinking later. It's like, oh, no, you're not getting anything. Get out of here. No one wants to be with you. The only interesting thing you can think of talking about is, like, all the dead people. Like, talking about vomit coming out of fucking someone's mouth yeah. doing CPR. It's like, okay, you know, that's not a nice I can now I can now see why this came up when we were talking about, like, mouth breathing people and like people who didn't have like social experiences and stuff like now i know why you mentioned this then you know there's a time what the fuck man like there's 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 like i don't understand how that that component can be missing from someone to like not (laughs) to realize they're so detached from reality that they think this is an icebreaker of a conversation let me tell you about the person that was vomiting during cpr it's just it's hilarious to me if and how fucking horrible it is i sure wasn't all the corpses i just saw what? <laughs> I don't know. Imagine just like, like he was enjoying the story. Like he was excited welcome to talk to about. The, welcome to the show, Various. He, he was excited to talk about these grieving families. Like, no, save them. You know, like, what the fuck is this guy? I, I understand being dead inside from this, this, you know, career choice, but oh man, the fucking Ajita. Jersey coming. <laughs> so, by the yeah. way, I guess, did I. I this conversation has taken so many turns already that I don't know if you even introduced yourself yet, Verdius. I don't think you have. No, I don't think I have, but... Uh, do, do you want to? Because they're not going to believe that we are from the same locale. 
yeah, it's time for you to follow that somehow. Yeah, follow the vomit, we're, please. We're both from the same wonderful, the Garden State. What a lovely place. New Jersey and you, perfect together. Yeah, fucking Joshua. Joshua, oh my god, he's, he's, a, he's a cream of the crop. About 50 pounds overweight, glasses, short, white, spiky hair. You know, the typical, you know, his wife divorced him kind of Jersey dad. Yeah, and I don't know, the first thing I thought when he, when he said that story was like, I don't know, Siddhartha. It's like the Buddha, when he comes out of the palace for the first time and he sees like the, the sick and the dying and it just like changes his, uh, his worldview because he's been sheltered all of his life. And he just feels the need to share it with everyone. <laughs> Fox, this beer is so yeah. good. So I grew up in New Jersey, but northern rather than central. I dry in there. Yeah, I guess when you... I still understand it because you're essentially like Manhattan's dumping ground over the water there from them. It's like the only thing that separates yeah. you from the, the Ritz there is, is the pond between you. Yeah, exactly. I always spent a good amount of time. Um, grew up in, in, in Middlesex County a bit there. So uh, it's like in central Jersey. Um, yes. A few, a few of my formative years were there formative years and then yeah speaking of dentists i haven't been in so long so i yeah so actually what i do is i'm a, a phd candidate and i study um east asian history and so for the past year i was actually well beginning at the end of 2019 i was actually in japan doing research and then i was supposed to be there for a year but then COVID hit and so it sort of got extended to like a year and a half or something like that were you happy about because, that? You know, yeah, as far as places to be in the pandemic, like yeah. Japan ranks up pretty high. So that was pretty nice. But I also, yeah, haven't been to the dentist in a while because of that. Well, you can go to my dentist. That'd be fun. Maybe I can run into Joshua. That'd be great. <laughs> no, I don't want to run into Joshua ever again because I'm just going to have to walk up and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just someone who hasn't been mugged by reality. I don't know. Like, we sat in the waiting room for a while and he, like, like, I'd look over at him, and, you know, we had masks on, but you can see that I'm grinning at him beneath my mask, because I'm that kind of, like, you know, Alice in Wonderland cat when I see someone, and I'm like, oh, I, I can see what's going on here. And he's, like, kind of, like, looking ahead, doesn't want to, like, like kind of looks at me at the corner of his eye, doesn't want to look over. And it's, like, this silence for these minutes we're in that room. And then it, it all made sense when he got in front of the uh, the dentist there, and I heard him, because I would have made fun of this guy in the waiting room. Was he thinking up that uh, dead people icebreaker? Yeah, he's like, okay, okay. You can do this, Joshua. You're next. Uh, what do I? How do I introduce myself? Oh man, I can't handle this. Um, fish eyes. Fish eyes. That that'll do it. Everyone likes fish. He gives antisocial people like me a bad name. My boss today. He's like, I was thinking this thing up. Antisocial media, and I go, okay. So what's your idea? And he stops, and he's it's like he didn't get that far. I'm like, okay. Isn't that Twitter, basically, though? Yeah, but there'd be none of the none <laughs> of the following or likes, you know, none of the friends. Just you know, just like the stuff you like, but none of the none of the friends. And I'm like, so, just so social media, just the flaming. He's like, you would follow people like the band you like or something, but like none of this, you know, none of the friend stuff. And I'm like, so social media. <laughs> it was very foxy of me at that point. I had to be the fox in the room, pointing out how the idea actually isn't that different. Yes. Yeah. I've learned, too, not to just, there's different ways of, you know, the gentle hand that can come in beneath and go, oh, really? Tell me more. Or, how's that working out for you? 
you know, <laughs> how else can you dig this hole that you're in? I think I think the how's that working is a very more of an East Coast Jersey Northeast kind of thing. It's a very passive aggressive um, statement of how's that working for you. You know, I don't know if that's a thing over there, Fox, but that's a big thing here. Anyway, go on now that I've interrupted you as I tend to do. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's that's the gist of it, basically. Oh, but I guess it, as far as how it connects to FF11, yes. well. Um, yeah, so I started out as an NA player because, yeah, I grew up in New Jersey, didn't know any Japanese or anything like that, so just played with NAs all the way up until 2007, 2008 when I quit, and then I didn't play for like 10 years, Then all of a sudden, I don't know, got the urge to, to check it out again, but then I said to myself, you know, if I'm going to play this game, because I had just, I had picked up Japanese um, by that point. Um, through my studies, and uh, it's like I'm gonna play this game. I have to justify it to myself. So I'm gonna use. It. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm practicing Japanese. I'm only gonna. I'm gonna use a JP client. Only gonna play with JPs. See what that's like. And then so, I don't only play with JPs, but mostly, also some like I, I learned Chinese along the way as well. So I also play with some Taiwanese players, and that's basically um, how I get the the other side. Um, thinking about these comparisons. That's actually a really interesting way of uh, trying to apply something that you've learned. Like to actually play this game on the Japanese client is um, something I would have never even thought of. And like, if your wife has a problem with you not paying attention to her because you're playing a game with your static instead, you can just go, "Honey, I'm just working on my PhD right now. Can you let me practice my Taiwanese?" Make it sound so important. <laughs> Why must you stand in the way of my success? And it's 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 actually so funny how much more powerful the JP client is. What? Just like text wise. So they could like all the emoji basically that you see, a lot of them are actually already built in and you just can bring them up by like typing in like the certain emotion and then it sort of pops up for you. You do things like stars and diamonds and circles and all that stuff pretty easily. So is that the real and JP button? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not even the 4th of July yet, and these fucking fireworks, you know, this stupid fucking holiday. <laughs> okay. I hate the 4th of July. It's dumb. Anyway. <laughs> I've just seen all these fireworks, and I'm like, come on. We're in a neighborhood. Yeah. There's no fireworks show anywhere near here. I guess I don't know, like, like on that on that topic, though, not the weird 4th of July thing that's spicy interdicted, but, uh, like, I, I guess I only know, like, the NA-style keyboard, right? So I can't even begin to imagine, you know, typing in all like uh, the, the shapes and things. Like I don't know where the shapes separate from like the actual like characters. They separate with the they colors. Use regular words. Well, I mean, colors is a whole different thing. Like the colors and shapes thing. Like that. that that's a, that's my phrase, man. You stay out of that. <laughs> so so it's basically like in a JP text input. Um, so you usually type in. So JP uh, Japanese comes in three writing systems: um, hiragana, katakana, and kanji. So kanji are Chinese characters that they borrowed. Um, hiragana and katakana are phonetic um, writing systems. And basically, most of the things that they type are hiragana, which is like the basic phonetic writing system. Katakana is more for like foreign words, usually, or animal names, um, interestingly enough. But basically, when you type in the hiragana and you press space, it'll, auto it'll try to convert for you into the Chinese characters, if there's one that matches with that, or if like uh, maru, for example, in Japanese is circle. And so if you type in maru, 
um, it gives you several options. And one of them is just a circle or several types of sizes and types of circles that you can input into your text. So it's uh, like if my Final Fantasy XI had autocomplete like my phone does. Yeah, exactly. In 2002. Yeah, right. Yep. Way ahead of, uh, you know, my phone's capable. I remember in 2002, I had like this flip razor phone or some shit. Dude, you were ahead of the time then. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember spending like... I was still Nokia time. On that. Yeah, dude. Didn't even flip. Oh, before that, I had like the brick. But I mean, just I'm just mentioning that though, because like he's talking about an autocomplete feature in a game. That wasn't even part of like, you know, any any kind of mainstream technology. Like this is Final Fantasy Eleven, which was you know a fairly big game, but it's still a video game and not like actual like communications and stuff. So it's just it just kind of blows me away that they had an auto an autocomplete feature built into their game, whereas you know we were still basically doing everything we do and still do to this day off of like Stone Age. So why? yeah, and like I, you know, if you think about it, like if if I wanted to geek out a little. Just some of the earliest um, text completion, autocomplete uh, sort of algorithms came out of Chinese and Japanese typing, because for a lot of the, uh, a lot of words are made up of like maybe two or four characters, two, three, four characters, something like that. And so if you type in one character, then it's easy for the system to be able to predict what words, or it's able to give you a list of what potential words can pair, can be made up of that character and something else. Yeah, so it's easier than English to autocomplete in that. For those who are like programmers out there who could be listening, you know, the idea of a Hamming distance is probably uh, right up there. So it basically uses the Hamming distance to between like the characters from there out to probably try to figure out you know what the next thing is and give you like the most relevant option. Right. Exactly. So while I have you, Verdi, I'm gonna have a lot of random questions tonight. Something I heard from Carrot, but I'm sure you could verify. So did flip phones and things that were not smartphones like have this thing in Japan, maybe still to this day, where they were more popular and like they didn't want to go to smartphones or something like that? Because I've, I've been told that and I'm curious about that. Yeah, yeah, they did. They they had much more powerful phones, um, especially like they had phone email, uh, basically, where before texting was a thing. So you could just send emails through people like on the same cell phone carrier as you, um, basically like text messages. Um, Let's see. And I think like the iPhone was much later to catch on in Japan, even though I think it was released at about the same time um, as in the U.S. It took to like 2010, 2011, something like that for smartphones of that nature to really catch on there. OK, I was just curious. You know, that makes anime I've seen make so much more sense because I always yes. hear like text message referred to as emails. And I was like, that's kind of a weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that actually like means something to me. So thank you for that. I was always sure. really confused. And and they actually, you know, and you could send photos, yeah, a lot earlier than you could in like US cell phones. Like they had camera phones much earlier. Although that also led to a thing where um they had problems with people taking surreptitious pictures with uh camera phones. And oh. so <laughs> it's not technically a law, but they asked every cell phone com- uh, maker in Japan to make it so that whenever you trigger the camera, it had to make an audible sound. So that you, you wouldn't have those kind of, you know, peeping Tom situations. That's, that's probably for the best. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if that's uniquely Japanese, but everyone knows about the whole Japanese picture skirt on the uh, train thing. It's just a thing. Yeah, and there, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of signs on the trains and so on. Like, do not, you know, take pictures up, skirt pictures. I mean, um, and, and so that's one of the reasons why, you know, like Japan actually, the Japanese iPhone had uh, a chip in it where you could 
get into the subway or any public transportation system, like before Apple Pay was a big thing. And uh, that was one of the reasons why I was thinking of buying a Japanese iPhone a few years back. But like the camera noise is built in. You can never turn it off. And it's like, nah, it's too much of a trade-off for me. <laughs> the, the noise is just too annoying for me. I, I'll take all the convenience in my own leisure, you know? Right. The train will have to stick I'll, it. I'll just get a subway card. That's fine. I'll just take a taxi. I <laughs> can't deal with this clicking. So... It's if we want to start the outline here, because we haven't even gotten to it. Um, please explain this whole Esperanto and the original soundtrack thing, please. Yeah, so you know when they when they Square initially developed Final Fantasy XI, they had this idea. Even though it was originally released in Japan, they had this idea from the very beginning that it would be an international game. You know, many different language groups would be playing, and so when I think it was Uematsu who took charge of the original soundtrack um and when you have things like um some of the original songs like uh what is it, like memoria de la stono things like that um all of the lyrics that you hear in the original release and the rise of the art and things like that were all written in esperanto and that was you know esperanto being the internationalist language that was inter invented in the late 19th century by i think a german guy and uh you know, it's supposed to be the language of the world. Everyone could speak it and, and we'll have world peace because of it. And so they sort of took, based off of that, they, they put the lyrics in the soundtrack and in the spirit of international cooperation. Unfortunately, things well, didn't turn I, out. Though. I remember something about uh, the game. It was supposed to, it was like based off of like cooperation between like East and West sort of thing. So I just never knew anything about the Esperanto thing. Yeah, and they, you know, they told the JPs, they're like, oh, you know, you play with NAs, and it'll be like you're studying abroad. It'll be so wonderful. Those poor souls. Let me tell you, I've studied abroad or two, and I don't think the game is the proper medium for doing that. Oh. <laughs> Especially how it turned out. Uh, <laughs> I'm still studying <laughs> one right now. You got fucked up? Uh, yeah, you know... Just you know, but I, there, there are so many complications to trying to make something international. I don't know. I don't know if it would have ever been possible. I mean, with FF14, I think they just gave up entirely, right? Just like this is the Japanese server, this is the NA server. Yeah, I mean, it it honestly makes more sense because look, we can go in the back of the day, back in the ye olden days story here of. I tried to play with Japanese people at 75 because, like all people, Japanese have this image in this game to this day of being like uh, more sophisticated, more serious. The common Japanese player is better at the game than the average slack-jawed North American player who bought their shit and doesn't know what to do and makes a post on Reddit every week about, they're going to come back to this game, what should I do? You know? That average perception of the NA versus the Japanese. And so you'd get in like, uh, I'd be a Corsair and they'd shout for chorus for the Maripo parties. So, you know, when you join one of those parties or you make one, you, you know, sometimes you could tell if Japanese player okay and stuff like that. And I'd go to uh, this old, old Final Fantasy XI based site, the Shigamo.com. And I would, you know, it's still up to this day and it is still like a black and white text site. It is like from like the. It looks like it's the earliest inception of the internet here. And it's got like all these phrases here, like uh, Tadayaku was for tank and stuff like that. And trying to just try to like copy paste. I had to type it into the game because I didn't have Windower at this time. I was 
not using it, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't using it uh, in 75. And I was trying to use this to communicate with Japanese players because more often than not, especially back then, they seem to still have a better grasp of the game. I don't think that's true anymore. I mean, well, if we look at Zola shit, and in terms of groups, yeah, you don't see... And a lot of the good information coming out, like the... Uh, loot. loot has awesome things on his blog. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's never changed. Maybe the Japanese are just still always better at this game, on average. Um, and there's a new uh, five-minute Ongo video, V15. Ooh, it's not Zola, but... Uh... It's basically, it, you know, taking advantage of uh, subtle sorcery and rake, trying to to chain them together. Huh. We never did much with subtle sorcery. I mean, we had a black mage, obviously, but I mean, I don't think the black mage knew what that was. <laughs> Our black mage. Well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, www. Honestly, that's the sort of thing that would have never really occurred to me even to use is something like subtle sorcery. And that's mostly because like Black Mage has fallen out of like any of the NA play styles. And uh, of course, I'm speaking as though it hasn't fallen out of the Japanese ones. But just hearing that well, uh, the Japanese seem more adaptive to like a Black Mage sort of play style in, in the later versions of this game than it seems like we are um, tells me that you know they obviously have a lot more experience with you know, all of it's like a post-Abyssia growth job abilities and stuff, you know, as opposed to the normal NA player today. My first uh, Wave 3 clear round was using a, a Black Mage strategy. I was going to say, uh, that sounds excellent. It fell out of favor with the NAs, but and somewhat with the JPs, but all the Wave 3 divergence wins, you saw the videos of the Japanese doing it with Black Mage groups purely. So. Yeah, they're definitely um, black mage is uh, is definitely falling out of fallen out of favor relative to the olden days, seventy five cap things like that, or even like uh, early Eska days. But um, I, you still have a lot of JP players who keep uh, at least a black mage on the side there, keep them maintained, keep them a little bit like geared a, up, like a Japanese fox danger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's about grasping the concept of enough and tackling the content appropriately. So, like with Black Mage, you get a lot of unique amenity control. Well, I wouldn't say unique because there are other jobs that can do it, but you get a lot of amenity control with Black Mage, and you get like the hardiness of something like Mono Wall, and you get um, a lot of like AOE damage output. Although I don't know if I don't know their actual strategy in Wave Three. I'm just kind of grasping at the ideas that a Black Mage brings to the table. I think they kind of sniped their way up there because the goal was to get to Wave Three, not to farm. Right. Yeah, and it's basically just fusion. Fusion or fragmentation skill chains by scholars, and then people uh, magic bursting off of those thunder or fire. Um, and I think one of the reasons, and I did it with a, a Japanese pickup group. Actually, it was a shout group. Uh, <laughs> Cerberus has this. Um, Imagine uh, that. You know, Kirda and you. Like this, I think it's it's the same person to be honest. But this person who shouts like four times a week for a pickup group for Dynamis. And then back when Wave 3 was relatively new, they were doing Wave 3. And like Black Mage is, is an easier way for a pickup group, I think, because you don't have to worry about, especially back then uh, when you had fewer DT options, you don't have to worry about your, your front line not having the right uh, DT or not having enough accuracy because Wave 3 accuracy requirements are so high. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a bit easier to, to pull things together that way. When you mentioned like Black Mage pickup group, I immediately started laughing. Like I, I pushed to talk, obviously, so I started rolling, dude, because I couldn't imagine doing a pug group for Wave Three with the NA players, let alone a pug group for Wave Three with Black Mages. 
like the comedy of errors that that would be. Yeah, because everyone would be, you know, like a magic carp, just, you know, fish out of water and splashing around. And before we get off subtle sorcery here, for those who don't know what it is, because I even had to double check it because I don't play Black Mage and it's, you know, it's their other one hour and it uh, reduces the enmity generated and increases magic accuracy by a lot. But also the um, the job points into it recruit uh, decreases at max rank here spell casting time by twenty percent, and also um, it doesn't bypass SDT, which I I put this part in. I remember this when I saw it. Uh, which you know, if if a mob is you know if you're not landing stone on a mob, you're not going to like land it. So if if it's an immune to it, like below the twenty percent tier, I think it's twenty fifteen. And I think it goes ten five instead of jumping there. There's, you know, degrees there, maybe 15.5. But if it's, you know, above that 20% tier, where you would be, you know, very resisted, uh, Subtle Sorcery allows you to increase your damage there by not taking that force resist. But if it's, you know, right. if it, it still reduced the damage, you just won't be resistant. Yeah, and I think Ongo is in the perfect range here because I believe it's 30% resistance against stone. That sounds reasonable. So, yeah, it would yeah, be... Yeah, that, that's what was on Loot's blog, like something like 30 Wait, I got to look at that blog so I can add it to the fucking wiki. I posted. And the nice our... thing is, you can uh, you can actually land burn um, during subtle sorcery as well and put up impact again. Uh, oh, yeah, that that's actually super important, and that's something that I didn't consider off of that because again, I only thought nuke power. Yeah, subtle sorcery yeah. is only a minute though, so yeah, it'll really you know it pushes you up into that two hundred plus int tier, so it really boosts yeah. your damage. Yeah, that would probably yeah I could see that being huge. Well, oh man. Well, well, Ongo just got jokey. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, talking about Lute's blog, like he mentions uh, that there was like some testing done regarding that, that 30% resistance to stone. And then I believe it actually provides like, I think it's like 1362 is the magic act cap for him or something. But there's actually really good statistics in there. And, and I honestly really like um, that, that the, the blog style forum that, that he brings over like other forums that you would see us traditionally use like the NA players like trash because well like reddit the the main thing is is that when you look at a blog like you can subscribe to its information and go hey I'm reading this this seems like it's verified you know there, there's no muddling or, or, or like confusion of it as long as like the information is being provided and this is what's going on with stuff like forums we kind of end up with this downfall where like people will then start arguing about it and then like people will start yeah. throwing around their best in slot well, ideas and everyone will be yeah, everyone will be confused at the end of the day. That's what the so, like, are. I think a, a blog is just a way better way of doing it. Well, blogs used to be a thing for NAs too. Like the the Kanakan uh, Kaiko era would be the most famous blog, of course. But there were I remember there being other blogs like Genomes Monk Blog and other stuff. And like uh, Campus Ataris was like the level seventy five era camping blog on like Blogspot.com or some shit, some old stuff. And those were all like big things NA, and those just don't exist anymore to my knowledge, but the JP blogs still do. So there you go. Talk about why blog culture is a thing for a second, because I don't get what the fuck happened in the NA community. Like, nothing besides Auction House and Reddit kind of exists now. Yeah, so basically most of the information you find out for Japanese players, play styles, your set ideas comes through blogs or someone's personal website. Um, you have a little bit of back and forth on Twitter. Uh, but it's, you know, there's, there, and there's like a two channel kind of form, but that's just completely just trash posting. Like no one actually uses it for information. So like, so like, I don't know, Reddit or something. Yes. Thank you. I wanted you to say, it. <laughs> uh, and you know, I think it's, it's definitely, 
because there's sort of a in Japan, and I, I you know don't want to essentialize things, but in Japan it's basically um, a high degree of caring about what other people are doing and what other people are saying, and so. I think people are afraid to put things out under their name in, in most cases. And so people are willing to stay anonymous, but you have a few people who are willing to like do all the testing and be out in front and kind of lead the vanguard there. And they're the ones who post this information. And then everyone else uh, kind of looks at it and, and takes it or leaves it as they as they think about it. And they'll discuss it within their link shell or whatever, but um, there's definitely not as much of an um, interactive culture um, uh, you know, discussing these kinds of things. I can see that being a very good and bad thing because when you're up in everyone's shit like that, uh, that you know, keeping up with the 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 Johnsons, I think, is the the phrase. Keeping up with your neighbor there, uh, you know, that, that could be a really negative thing overall. Creating a culture that Japanese, you know, Japan's famous for there. Of, um, I'm sure you'll describe that later or even now, I guess, because I'm saying it about just kind of internalizing and being presentable and having to be a certain way because that's acceptable and being very insecure. I think insecurity is the number one thing in terms of thinking about Japanese players and culture. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, the way to think about it is one of the major concepts in Japanese society is inner and out, you know, in-group and out-group. And so you're a, definitely a very different person um, depending on which people you're interacting with. So like, say, for example, people from the same class as you in school, your coworkers and things like that, they're in your in-groups. And so you'd act a specific way with them versus if you're dealing with a customer, you know, you're working in a store and you deal with a customer or you're dealing with just random people on the internet, then you're definitely much more reserved. And it's actually even built into the Japanese language because there are layers of politeness that you can use when you're talking to people. And so depending on how much you respect um, or how distant someone is from you socially, then you use uh, basically a different uh, grammatical style, different verb endings, things like that. And so I think that really carries over um, into just social relations more generally, is that people, you know, when they're dealing with the out group and they don't know, they're not as willing to, um, um, you know, I don't know, hazard an opinion or put things out there that, you know, they're not 100% sure of or not relatively confident about. I mean, I imagine that even does a lot for like tone because tone is something that we often uh, misconstrue in our posts and stuff. Yeah, I think tone's a very big NA thing. Yeah. A very me thing too. You end up with a lot of, a lot of times, like sometimes people will apologize later because like they didn't mean to come off the way they, they did, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I think what you just mentioned would probably alleviate a lot of that problem. Right, exactly. Because you're using a more polite style, so people are generally, um, yeah, it comes off more, you know, uh, it's it's easier to, you know, sort of dial up or dial down uh, one's tone as they're talking. So in Japan, with that entire thing there, is that more of an Eastern sort of society, um, and they just have it on steroids, or is that just a uniquely Japanese sort of cultural thing? Yeah, I think it's 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 quite different um especially i think korea there are some similarities so korea for example also has layers of politeness in speech and also has although there's um in korea there's much more uh respect for age so you know someone will actually ask you like one of the first questions someone will ask is how old you are so that they can determine how they're going to refer to you and talk to you uh whereas in china it's more 
kinship based generally. You know, it depends on which part of China you're in, northern or southern. But for southern China, it's definitely much more kinship based. So um, if someone is in your kinship group or outside of your kinship group or is in your um, sphere of relations or not, that, that might change. Um, but there's definitely not uh, the same uh, in Chinese. You know, there's some politeness, impoliteness, but there's not as, you know, as easily calibrated, let's say. So overall, it's an Eastern sort of thing, but Japan kind of has it in spades. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, just even like as a society kind of thing and how they approach things besides the multiple levels of politeness. Uh, is it just is that, you know, that as well as what I'm getting at, too? Not just the not just the language, but the the whole the Gemeinschaft, the, the, the community aspect, the way they think and act about things. Right. And then. Well, that's, uh, I don't know how much you want to get into that. Well, but, I, know, I don't want to go off in the deep end here. Right? <laughs> yeah, gazelle shop, yeah, but I don't want to go off onto the... <laughs> See, there's nothing I could say that you wouldn't know is what I find awesome about you, too. And not like I'm trying to think of things that you wouldn't know. It's just, that's what came to mind for me. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't want to go down a deep rabbit hole, but I think in terms of contextualizing here or, or putting better perspective on it for players, that it's not just like a you know, oh, that's Japan, that's, you know, they're just Japanese. It's like down to the building blocks and the fibers of society that translate into the interactions in this game and how NA are like, oh, they're Japanese only. They're just being, because I've seen people get upset about the Japanese only thing. Like they think they're being excluded as like, oh, they're just xenophobic and racist. But no, there's more to it than than just your perceived slights because you think you're important enough to, your exclusion is you know, a thing that matters. But um, just the, 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 the makeup of this goes deeper than just JP only. It's there's like a societal aspect that trickles into how game interactions are conducted in Eleven based off of that. Right, and you know, just think of like ordering a sandwich in a New Jersey deli versus uh -oh. ordering anything from a, a, a Japanese restaurant. It's just like completely different. It's like, yeah, hurry up, come on, come on, fine. It's like you go to the grease truck and get the fat Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The fat Tony. You get the fat bitch if you want to, but you know the fat Tony is a little more appropriate. I actually had a, a, a Japanese classmate here who. Uh, so we had this cafe in the university, and this woman who, who works there just incredibly rude. And he actually like took a picture of her, and then he posted it on Twitter, on Japanese Twitter, and he's like, I, "You would never see this kind of behavior in Japan." And just like scandalized. <laughs> what? What was the scandal though? Well, she was like, I think it was late, and she was she had an attitude. She was like, oh, you know, we don't we don't have that coffee. You know, you got to get something else. And and you know, in Japan, it would be very apologetic. Oh, I'm so sorry, we're out. You know, is there something else I can get you? What can I do for you? And he's just you know very scandalized by that uh, that contract. But when it comes to you know JP only, I mean, so we can't we can't rule out xenophobia entirely there are some people and i see it in ls chat sometimes like oh and it's oh they suck so much but uh, it also a lot of it has to do with uh linguistic barriers right most japanese people vast majority of japanese people uh can't speak english very well you know so and they're playing a game that a lot of it is based on chat so in the early days for example you know it was a much slower paced game and you know people could actually talk quite leisurely in party chat while they were leveling. Not anymore. Like it would be kind of boring, right? If you're a JP and a group of NAs and they're kind of shooting the shit and you can't, 
participate at all, it's it's kind of a boring experience compared, you know, compared to what you get in JP Party. Whereas these days, it's like strategy, right? You want to make sure the strategy is out beforehand. Everyone knows what they're doing, and uh, and well, you can't do that too well if if you have a language barrier. So it, it you know, there's a, another reason. So I went to open up the Are You Hungry menu, and it immediately started playing a fucking video with sound. So I had to like immediately quickly mute, and I'm at the. So it won't we won't lose anything there. But if anyone thinks there was a drop out there, no, that's just me cutting out the fucking. I wanted to explain. The, the the fat sandwiches to Fox here, so I had to pull up the menu, and that happened. But oh, God. fucking are you? But you, you can't beat the prosciutto and mozzarella fiori. I'm sorry. Well, I used to experience sort of the same thing uh, because I used to I used to party with a lot of JP players back in the '75 era because I was a I was a good healer, and I would actually get invited back to parties, and I would like party like during their hours, and uh, like a lot of times they would just yeah like you're saying just leisurely chat amongst themselves like throughout the party or whatever and I wouldn't really wouldn't be included like it wasn't like the most fun thing ever but I just I remember to level my white mage so yeah I mean I, I know what you're talking about just from the other side of it yeah, like it, it happened both ways though and I actually set up a, a wave three one for my uh, run for my JPLS like a year or so ago and they're like. Oh yeah, you're gonna do this. Well, you should you should make macros. You could make an explanation macro, and so I actually typed out like oh. a whole macro book in Japanese, like explaining the strategy from the very first statue all the way to the end. Wow! And then at the end, like after I do all this pacing work, you know, make sure all the weights are right so that uh, you know the timing isn't off. Um, then at the end, one guy in the Alice was like, "Oh my god, that was so long!" It's like, come on. I remember those. Like we did those a lot more in the seventy-five era when we had like this like pre-dynamic explanation macro or series of macros you would hit with the weight commands. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I was mistaken. I'm thinking of greasy Tony's. The the fat bitch is a sandwich, of course. I know the fat bitch, but it's uh, I'm thinking I think possibly also confusing it with the fat Daryl, which Fox. Oh, really? Yes, the fat Daryl is. A chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, french fries, and marinara sauce on a sandwich. No, thank you. Otherwise, you got the fat cat, which is another famous one. Is the double cheeseburger, lettuce, tomato, french fries, mayo, and this continues, and ketchup on a sandwich. So it's like a double cheeseburger in like a sub roll, and it's a fat sandwich. But it started with the grease trucks outside of Rutgers University, and uh, it's just like a famous Jersey thing. And for the folks at home, you know, uh, New Jersey is like the, the epicenter for uh, diners, like the greasy spoon diner culture. It has more diners than any state in the country. So you get a heart attack on a plate like that uh, at any time of, of the night. <gasps> they got rid of the fat bitch and named it the fat beach. Yeah, it was like you just described a sandwich made entirely out of appetizers. Yes, and they changed the fat bitch to fat beach, and it's still... Uh, Cheese steak, chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, French fries, lettuce, ketchup, on a sub. Did they go woke? Yeah, yeah, they went woke. It's the fat beach sandwich now. Now they're not a truck. Now it's not an appropriate eatery. Look, I eat some, I eat some pretty greasy things, right? <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think there's a world where I could ever eat what you just described. Well, also, <laughs> if you want, you can add cheese for seventy-five. Oh, sure, because adding cheese, <laughs> you can add cheese to the mozzarella sticks, but you can also add an egg. You can add more chicken fingers. You can add onion rings, French fries. You can add falafel for a dollar. Or you got jalapeno poppers you could stick on there as well to your fat beach. 
something guessing. like New Brunswick Fox. I'm guessing like asking for any of this on the side where it belongs is kind of outside the question, right? Wow. You could also ask them to turn the temperature down to 43 degrees, and they think that's out of the question. <laughs> okay. it's, like, it's like poutine. Well, Canadian. we have poutine in Jersey. It's disco fries. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the cheese is different because they, they well, get the it's, curds. It's, yeah, it's different. It's, you know. But still, it's not literally poutine. It's just our poutine. Yeah. But just similarly, uh, like five days worth of saturated fat in one dish. And for those in uh, not Fahrenheit, non-America, that is six degrees Celsius in case anyone needed to have that clear. Anyway, let's move on. I don't know. I guess the the JP only thing like didn't that didn't really come up with me a whole lot. Like I'm not trying to say I was like some sort of like elite player or anything. But I mean, well, I, I guess I was player. above average. Well, I, that's kind of what I want to get at is like a lot of NA players thought I was a Japanese player just because of how I like handled myself a lot of the time. I like didn't talk a whole lot. Like that was actually a running thing in the 75 era. And I clearly like don't actually come off that way now, at least as far as I know. Uh, but I don't know from like any other perspective how that, that could even be possible. Like I know sitting in like the, the JP party that I described before where like everyone else was Japanese except for me, like there's no way that they thought I was Japanese. So I, I don't really I don't really get what that stigma actually is because I never really considered myself like that much different from like an approach standpoint, aside from the fact that I didn't really talk a whole lot. It must be your linguistic issues, I, I guess. I, I don't know. But yeah, that was just something that I experienced a whole lot. So I don't really know, you know, how to how to parse that at all. It's something I've always kind of wondered about, sort of. Well, you know, I think JP pickup groups tend to be a bit more business like. In the terms that, like, everyone says, oh, nice to meet you. Here's the strategy. We do it. We win. And, oh, everyone's done a great job. Time to go home. Yata! Versus, versus like, I remember once I was doing, like, Yakshi or something, and then this NA guy, and, like, I have an NA shell as well, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come. My mass is going to destroy them. And then it just completely ends his life. Like, yeah. the aura comes up, and it just... Oh, no. It's, just, it's, a, it's a bit different. NA problems. So, I don't think I've ever ever heard a JP say, oh yeah, my, my Riemann's going to destroy this thing. While we're on the linguistic issues thing, uh, is what's what's the xenophobia thing? So we had to touch on that, of course. Yeah, and so, you know, Japan being an archipelago, it, it's naturally isolated. Um, it's a bit harder to get there. You know, obviously it's, you know, if you take a ferry today, it'll be like, uh, what, two days, I think, to get from like Shanghai to Osaka in southern Japan. By two days on a ferry? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's some ferry. I've never actually took, I, I considered it once, I never actually took it, but uh, it seemed like it'd be a pretty fun experience. Yeah, but anyway. An yeah. eight hour ferry out of like four towns and just to get to parts of Canada. It's more fun than yeah. taking the ferry from fucking Edgewater. <laughs> New York waterway. But uh, basically, you know, because of its geographic location, it's it's had a bit of isolation from the Asian mainland. And so, you know, in a, in a society like that, of course, there's going to be a little bit of um, uh, outsider, uh, you know, rejection of outsiders or, or trying to, you know, be a bit more insular um, than you would see in like China, for example. And so, you know, um, Japan gets a reputation, especially after the Tokugawa, so the shogunate, the last shogunate that ruled over Japan from 1600 up until um, 1868. Um, they get a reputation for being a closed country because they only allowed trade with the Dutch on this small island off of Nagasaki. And so, you know, they didn't allow any other European powers to sort of land on Japan. 
Japan or do anything with Japan. So they get a reputation for being a very closed country because of that. If, but the thing is... Sorry to cut you off. Ahead. If anyone has Netflix, which some may, there's that... Um, they have a thing, like a, a docu-series on, that's new. It came out like a couple, three months ago, something like that. Nonetheless, it's new. Uh, it's like the last Shogun or something like that, and it has the Tokugawa era in there, and it has the whole thing in there of uh, the Japanese being closed off of like their their posters of like uh, kicking out the Westerners and stuff like that. So they have like and they have the Iga in there and everything that like brings up the ninja armor. You know, like, it doesn't bring it up obviously. It's not like yeah the Iga in eleven in their docu series on Japan, <laughs> but um, it brings up the Iga as an area that Tokugawa had to deal with. And it's like, oh, so that's why it's the, the ninja armors named that. It's like, it's, you know. Yeah, and then Koga's the other place. Masamune so, uh, was in there. Yeah. So, you know, they get the revision, but it's basically because before that, it was a warring states period. Japan was split up between a lot of different states. And European powers, especially the Portuguese, uh, tried to take advantage of that. So they would sell weapons to different states. They would try to, you know, inculcate themselves, try to get... Uh, uh, greater influence, and they tried to convert people to Christianity. And so a lot of these things that Shogunate thought were uh, threats to its stability after it was able to unify the country and, and get power in that way. And so they basically said, well, Europeans, goodbye, except for the Dutch, because they don't really care about spreading their religion. And we're just going to keep them on this one island, and they can trade with us, and that'll be nice. The Dutch are always about business. Yeah, yeah, and so the the Dutch actually got you know amongst the Europeans, the Dutch got a pretty bad rep. They're like, oh, they're not even Christian, you know. <laughs> and uh, kind of, the description kind of reminds me of like sitting down with a bunch of people and playing Civilization Six, and like that person's trying to go for like the cultural or uh, religion victory, and just failing at it. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Are you good at Civ Six as well, Fox? Because I got it on the Switch, and I'm not good at it because I'm not good at things that involve thought. Oh, no, I'm not good at it either. I just enjoy all things strategy. Yeah, I enjoy it too. I just, like, I'm like, oh, wow, I really failed to predict having to do this in the game. Now I'm stuck. <laughs> it's a lot of planning involved in that. It's like worse than any other game I've ever played strategy wise. We're like, oh, well, this person went for this victory and you didn't have this person on this side of the nope. map. And it's like, oh, yeah. anyway. It's, it's weird that, that they're so founded in being so closed off, but it seems like they adopted like a lot of other cultures like niche things and then just kind of like made it their own and they, they they somehow also don't seem to offend anyone by any of it either it, it's it's kind of marvelous to me how they seem to pull that off right and so the reality is that they're actually very they've been very culturally open right so kyoto which was the capital before tokyo became the capital in the late 19th century it was based off of the Tang Dynasty, which, right, which is what, 7th through 9th century in China, the dynasty that ruled over China. It's currently today's Xi'an. Um, but they based the entire layout of the city on that. You know, they use Chinese characters, uh, Buddhism. You know, there's a lot of foreign influence that's come um, throughout that time. Even during when they, this, you know, infamous closed period, uh, like they had big crazes for Dutch electrostatic generators. So basically uh, a brush with a... a uh, you know, a, a wheel uh, that you could turn a bunch of times and then you touch these two end, metal ends, you know, to a wire and it can make your hair stand up. And they thought it was like the, the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> Very Franklin-esque. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and then even today, you know, um, a lot of, they use a lot of loan words from English, you know, 
Um, if you ever listen to a baseball game in Jap in Japan, like ninety five percent of the terms are basically are just the English terms um, in a Japanese pronunciation. Dude, I don't like baseball at all, but I saw like a snippet of a Japanese baseball game, and that's like a real fucking production. And it looks actually like something you'd want to be a part of, not like American baseball where you might want to play it with your homeboys after work or something. But uh, like American baseball is absolutely more boring than golf to me and i'm not a sports i guy, actually but. i actually hugely dislike baseball for the most part but I, I could never watch it on tv it's like the most boring thing ever but i've actually gone to baseball games and those are fairly enjoyable to watch even though i have like no stakes and who wins like it's just uh the amount of production we have is, is good enough so i mean if like the, the japanese, japanese production is like, like through the roof yeah i imagine that's probably just stellar oh yeah they have like drum groups and they have like Cheers for specific uh, hitters, you know, yep. when, they, when they come to bat. It's, it's like so wrestling, where like they have an intro for the hitter. <laughs> da -dun, da -dun, da -dun, da -dun. And, you know, Yankee stadiums, like, you know, someone comes from the other team, comes up to bat, and like they'll curse at him, but there's no real organized cheer. Carrot just came in here and gave me the finger and took her pillow and left. I'm sure you're to someone. All right. But yeah, I mean, if, you know, the. You know, we bring we start this off with the whole xenophobia thing, but and you know, JP parties only being like JP parties, like to like bring it back to the game. But I don't see how a culture seeming like this eager to assimilate things, um, you know, would have any kind of trouble like playing with us directly. So I don't really know where that whole stigma comes from then, because it seems the opposite of how the culture actually performs. Right. And I think it's the linguistic thing. And then also, you know, the fact that the JPs had the game for a year before it was uh, any release, I believe. And, you know, they had the whole original before the rise of the Zillart. I mean, we didn't have, even have the game before Zillart. And they had this very big knowledge gap with us. So I think NAs from the very beginning were very eager to play with JPs because they had much greater knowledge base. They knew what they were doing. And so, you know, we would learn a lot from being in a JP party, whereas in vice versa, they think, well, NAs are, you know, the new kids on the block. They're not going to know as much. And so there's, you know, less um, propensity for them to want to join an NA party. And at the start of things, I can kind of understand that. Like, I, I don't mind explaining things to people, but I couldn't imagine trying to explain things or, or like how things work with a, an actual language barrier as well like that would be insane to me sometimes um, when you tell people stuff in party like when you invite them for ambuscade and they still don't pay attention or listen the the language barrier is <laughs> not even in the same language it's just not paying a fuck attention i mean true i mean even people you static with do the same thing but i feel like you know, na's are more brazen too is the problem too whether the new kids in the block or not they're much more brazen in their attitudes whereas japanese people tend to be more measured if that's my correct perception well i guess the issue is that we're not the new kids on the block anymore. I mean, sure, they have a year head start, but we're comparing like 20 years to 21 years at this point, you know, or, or not, not, I'm sorry, that's, that's way wrong. Like, like nine, 19 years to 18 years or, or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Both are legal so, at that point. So what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, we're not really the new kids on the block anymore, but I mean, just the fact that you almost never see like JP players on Azura and I can understand why knowing Azura, but I mean, it, it just seems like it's, it's grown apart, like quite a significant amount. Right. And I, you know, I think that's definitely um, one of the reasons is like what you were talking about with the level of preparedness before going into an ambuscade or something like that. Like JP players will, players will actually read a blog or read the JP wiki and look at the strategy before going in, even though that they'll sounds explain helpful. it again. 
That sounds so delightful, dude. I wish any players would do that. Fox going for his PhD yeah. next. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's just the it's just the level of preparedness, or they care the level of preparedness, and then also just I think they're just not they don't think that any strategy they'll explain. So it, you know they can't give you a link to a JP blog because you're not going to be able to read it, and you know they can't explain it in party chat with their English level where they're not confident enough to explain it with their English level. So it's kind of like, well, you know, it's not worth the effort or it's not worth the risk in a lot of cases. I mean, that may have been true back then, but nowadays, like the way I, I read Lutz blog, for example, is I'll have Google translate for me. Yeah. Right. But I don't even know yeah, so that blog exists. Now, so you just have to have the know-how of doing it. Cause I mean, like, like they, they, like, I think the conversation or the communication would be a lot easier nowadays for sure. Um, than it would have been back then. But I mean, it's just like, I don't want to use like the term, like the damage is already done. But I mean, I can understand not wanting, like with the patients I have with like basic Azurans, for example, like I can understand not wanting to backpedal and be like, okay, I'll give you a chance now. And then just have it just completely go wrong. I, I don't know. Like sometimes I, I guess like based on that information, I can see that maybe being the thing. Like, but then again, I'm just jumping to conclusions, you know, trying to justify stuff. Well, and then there's another thing, you know, reputation wise. NAs get the <laughs> reputation for being cheaters. Oh yeah, and they're not wrong. Yeah, they're not. Even the other fucking day, we're um, we're in Odyssey, and the Moogle doesn't load the Porter Moogle. So oh, the yeah. the immediate response is, "Oh fuck, just to cow through the wall so the Porter Moogle will load and come back." And my oh, immediate my response was, "Fox doesn't have to cow to do that." Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the response. I told him I just log out, but it's like the immediate thought wasn't to log out, which was my first thought. It was like, oh, just cheat through the wall. The GM will yeah, understand. Just clip, just clip on through it. It'd be fine. Yeah, uh, in in Felgar terms, well, you'll explain to the GM the packet didn't load. He'll understand. It's like no fell. I can understand. So the the short of it though, like, and with that story in mind, I can understand why they, for sure. It's a pretty, pretty decent story that Fell thinks they care if the packet didn't load. <laughs> It's like telling them that what the salvage uh, dupe techniques like, oh, you know, we were just we just happened to be disbanding at that time. That's what we, why we got two of the item. And that flies in NA minds, too. It's like, yeah, we just happened to be doing it that time. It just happened. What you can get away with. It fell truck. off a truck. Yeah. And so, like, I remember when the, it was the first pass of the Meeble ambuscade when when bar spells were still a thing. And, oh, no. And there was any player who was, you know, using React. And and then in my JP shell, they're like, yeah, watch out for the people with the yellow pearls. You know, don't party with them. These NA guys are they're using cheats. The oh. yellow pearls. Because in Cerberus, you know, they're like eight link shells or something. It's pretty easy. All the Good colors of the rainbow. Like, they they stand by those kind of morals in a way that I never could. Because like I don't like, you know, certain levels of cheating and stuff. We've had an entire episode on this kind of drama. Yeah. But so I don't really want to dig that up. But I mean, I love Gearspawn. I really do. I like what it can do for the game, and it's how I really want to play it. It's and fun. I'm not going to justify it or anything. Um, but I, I actually enjoy the fact that uh, it's actually refreshing to hear that they will stand by that and not want to play with with the people that they deem are cheaters. You know that sort of thing, and not not really seem to want to compromise on that. Like that's that's actually like a really interesting moral standpoint. It's me. like, like a, I, I actually admire that quite a bit. It's like a social stigma of like. Uh... I guess putting the the scarlet A on your chest kind of thing, and you know you're yeah. you're uh, you're out for doing that. So in some ways, it's it's good to enforce the positive behavior. In other ways, not so much. But that reminds me when we first met, and I was talking to you 
uh, you weren't there, Fox, all. That's why I'm bringing it up like this. Uh, you were saying that Zola took a video down and apologized on Twitter because they found out someone was cheating that was in the group in that video, and they, like, apologized publicly for it? Yeah, someone was uh, found to be weapon-skilling without um, unsheathing their weapons, and so that it was obvious that they were using, I don't know, I don't use Windor, so... Just Windor itself. That would that would be, yeah, Windor, or a base Windor feature for Packet Send. Yeah, yeah so... It was discovered, and then, you know, this was his highest um, segment run. And so, you know, people were like, hey, that's that's cheating. You know, you can't get seg- that many segments without cheating. And then so he took the video down, he apologized, and then he actually did it without that person and, you know, without the cheating. So that was pretty good. Imagine anyone, like, imagine all our videos, Fox, would be disqualified in the face of Japanese players. I believe it. And honestly, if I had a community surrounding me like that, I, I would probably play that way because you would get more sources of people playing in that manner um, who can kind of show you how to, how it works and like show you where like your failings are from not having to pick it up from like automations and you know, that sort of thing um, to basically sculpt your ability to play that way. Like, obviously, a lot of the core mechanics of the game would stay the same. But there's like a lot of niche stuff that, that can be done because one of the main things that I hear about gear swap in particular is that you know you can't perform at the same DPS level without gear swap because you know you you have to be able to swap within a certain amount of time and all all this all this garbage and jargon. But um, honestly, just watching no. Zala's videos and knowing that that they're clearing the content the way they are because Zala is absolutely mopping the floor with anything we can do damage wise. They're, they're absolutely crushing us, and uh, to know that they aren't they aren't using gear swap at all just tells me that everything I've thought about like regarding the program is completely invalid. Well, yes and no, because it doesn't take any bit but the smallest amount of logic to say um, just because they're performing at the level they are doesn't mean that uh, gear swap doesn't still perform at a higher level. It still raises the ceiling. So, right, but it's not necessary in oh, order yeah. to complete the content. You know, I think, and I think that sometimes gets lost in the FFX XIAH posts, things like that. It's like. Oh, you if you don't have gear sock, you're gonna be so far behind. Well, only the suckiest of players would believe that you can't clear the content without gear swap. Only the ones who want to justify their usage or that just suck or can't figure it. So typically, the ones that have to cheese everything because winning is the best strategy, and they can't imagine anything otherwise. You know, basically forcing your way through anything you're struggling with and not stopping to think about it, not trying to do it. You know, because it's just easier instead of trying to learn the mechanics or test anything or or try different job uh, setups, or think about the gear sets you're applying to the mob, because not every DT set applies to a certain fight. I mean, instead of doing things like that, and I feel like a group of Japanese players might optimize as a team to better suit their strategy, like Zola's uh, uh, Sealed Fate video. I mean, the only way that they work and the way they did it is because they coordinated with their Japanese baseball chants for the every player. <laughs> um, they, they coordinated as a team what they wanted to do and how they were going to gear, and they, they made it a group experience as a party is, and that's why they were so effective. And NAs don't do that, so gear swap is part of compensating to overcome that. Not that it's not more than that, of course it is. It's, it's you know, not just for trying to overcome your inadequacies, but, you know, they if there was that level of coordination for NA players, even even a fraction of it, then I don't think they would be this whole, oh, you can't do this if you don't do this, or if you don't mew this tree, you're not going to win. You know, that kind of bullshit we have. Right, and I think a big thing 
or, or at least part of it is the fact that you have less of this attempt to be the hero, to be the guy in a JP group. Like you don't have the samurai who needs to do the best DPS and like are JPs run out. less egocentric than NAs? I, I want to say yes, in, but I need to ask it. In yeah, in parties generally, yeah. I oh, mean, man. so you know, it's I, I you know I don't know how much of this has to deal with the the cultural background, and how much of it has to deal with the fact that so most JPs, I mean, some JPs do use parse that you know or parsing type programs. Um, and but they never publicize the results. So you'll never see a copy paste within the party chat. And so, you know, there's less, I think there's less pressure to try to be, you know, win daddy's love in that in that regard. Oh snap. <laughs> and That's so true. and so, you know, it's it's definitely much more about the group, right? It's so it's it becomes instead of, you know, oh, can I get, you know, ninety X percent of damage above the next guy in my group. It's like, well, what's the clear time? How how low can we get the clear time? How many segments can we get? You know, things like that. You know, maybe that's what answers my question from earlier because everything that I do is generally party centric. Like whenever I'm describing something or looking out for the best of something, it's always for like our party or group's point of view. And I've historically always been that way. So so maybe that's why people thought I was like kind of like JP oriented or something. Because that kind of describes the way I look at things to a T. Like, I've never cared about winning Daddy's Love. Um, it's it's funny to point out sometimes, like, when things happen, obviously, because that's just conversation. But, like, it's not, it's never about, like, partiating someone. And I've always wanted to make sure that the group succeeds before the individual, because, like, the group boosts the individuals within it. And, yeah. I'm, I've partiated Mer plenty of times, but I don't do it because... Well, it's, it's hilarious. Yes, for yes. One, but that's a, that's a specific person, though. Yes, yes. It, it's always case by case. But you're only as strong as your weakest link. And the problem seems to be that the NAs all want to be unbreakable chain links. And the Japanese want to be a functional chain. If we have to start making yeah. an NA versus JP thing. Not that the episode's about that, but uh, there has yeah, it's to, not like there the, to be it's some... It's not like true, true verses. Like, that's just the language used to describe the So term. far... Like, it's the difference. Really. So far, it's coming off as very, like, wow, they do it in such a, a functional, you know, reasonable approach, and all the NAs are kind of just, like, running around dick-slapping and, uh, you know, hoo-hoo, look at my parse, which... That's is... generally my observation, too, Yeah, <laughs> as it, an NA player. It is, but it's not how it is. It's just what is the most attention grabbing but is there any way we can say like well there's something na's do effectively that the jps don't to try and scale that back slightly uh very that's a good question um i think so i think it's a, a shared problem between both na's and jps and that people rely too much upon posted gear sets so like in a jp blog or na's like ffxih or something like that what's, what's the best slot you know, I think people are, are a little bit too much, um, care a bit too much about the cookie cutter approach. And so I think that, you know, it's definitely not uh, universal, but I think there's a little bit more uh, tinkering, uh, at, at least what I've seen amongst NA community. That's good. That's so Fox is the, uh, he's in his right community then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I suppose. And, you know, and, and, NAs are, are much more social in general. So, you know, you have the pickup culture of Azura and, you know, we yeah, can make but fun it's, of it's a dysfunctional that. pickup culture, though. You know, I don't need to, <laughs> I don't care how your dog's doing. I want to play the game. Right. And, you know, but I, I think people are willing to, like, go out. So, you know, a lot more JP players play the game completely solo. And, you know, of course, a lot of that is because of, you know, time constraints, whatever. 
But I think a lot of people, and I've, I've seen it with people in my link shell and my groups, it's like, well, you know, like I have a really great person who usually comes white man. She's like, she also has a Corsair, but she's like, well, you know, my Corsair, I just don't feel ready. Hey, and so me. she, you know. Yeah. Uh, who it, does that sound like? Me. My yeah, so, I have a core, it's mastered, it's not ready. Yeah. So, you know, even though it's like I've, I've seen her core, it's perfectly acceptable, you know, but I think there's less willingness to, to sort of try things out if, if the job isn't, isn't up to the snuff in their eyes. So I think that's, you know, something uh, NA, you know, NAs do a bit better. But I think, you know, getting back to this, this question of um, what NAs pick do better. Up culture and, you know, uh, winning daddy's love and things like that. I wonder how much of that is, is a reflection of just the size of Asura. And like, you know, how much you actually um, interact with the same people on a repeated basis. So, you know, if you if there's no reputational risk to doing a bad job, then you're more likely to be willing to do a bad job. Whereas in a very small server like Cerberus, um, you know, you party with, you know, maybe fewer than 200 people um, in in total. So, you, you know, you remember the names um, it's much easier for people to remember who everyone is and what they've done. And so there's like a, a, a fear of reputational damage if, you know, they're not up to snuff. We don't That's have that same fear in NA, at least to the same extent. But I want to propose something that's not going to be very agreeable. And I want to propose that, I don't want to phrase this, that the evolution of rabid capitalism has led to a more uh, egocentric individual in the West at a rate that's expanding over time, not visibly, but clearly, um, that's led to more of that breakdown of everybody wanting to have daddy's love based on being encouraged as a consumer to... I think it's more simple than that. Eh, something along those it's lines. The anonymous, it's the anonymousness of the internet. Ah, no, it's not the anonymous, no. You wanting to validate yourself. No, no, validation has like, always been there, but this is validation on steroids, and I think as a culture, yeah, we're encouraged Yeah, and it's a much way. easier way to do that now. In terms like, of consumerism. It, it doesn't have to do with any kind of, like, weird um, socio-economical bullshit thing that well, comes up. if you go out... Like, there's a lot of different ways you could look at it. You if know? you go out to any stores, any ad targeted to people or how things are sold to people and the way that they're... People are encouraged, whether it's on social media, to do things like this or that. There is a certain inflation of self-worth that's promoted for an aspect of gain, where if you apply to a certain person's sensibilities of, you know, this is the best, you want the best, don't you, kind of thing. It's led to this, uh, you know, I have this many houses, I have this, and it's like, it's hard to describe how that trickles down into the psyche, but I think that's a thing. And I don't know how to fully explain that in terms of being intelligent, more so than kind of just observing it out in the wild. Well, you know, one of the things that's definitely different is like compensation structure for companies in the U.S. versus Japan. So there's much less uh, inequality between the CEO of a company and the lowest paid person in a company in a Japanese company. And part of that is this belief that it's the group right so everyone at the same and it generally they dial um the wages much more directly to like years of experience or where someone is in an organization and so there's definitely much more of a sort of team-based uh view to the group success or the company success versus the u.s where it's 
um, you know, oh, the wonderful manager, he put things over the top. The store manager was one who did it, everything for us or, you know, whatever. And so, uh, you know, I wonder if that, to what extent that that boils over into these other areas of, of interaction, because you could say the anonymity of the Internet, but you, you have it in both places, right? Um, you, you know, JPs are very protective of Internet anonymity, I think even more so than NAs. So, for example, uh, you know, streamers in Japan or people who who have videos of F of XI in Japan, only one or two of them that I can think of actually use their own voice, um, their own voice to voice over their videos. So there's one guy, Leek Millie, and then um, Kumati or someone like that. But anyway, but the most the vast majority of the other cases, it's people actually use text to speech. Um, and sort of like, you know, this weird kind of robotic anime voice. It's, it's, it can be a bit uncanny valley, a bit off-putting. Whereas, uh, but, but, you know, NAs, I think are much more willing to, to be out there. Um, even if they're just making an ass of themselves and cheating, uh, like crazy. And I feel individualism yeah, is encouraged. And then, you know, I think they're, it's like, yeah, it's worrying about the reputational blowback. So like, so for, for example, if someone puts their real voice onto their FFXI video, maybe someone's going to listen to it and it'll trace back to them. And there might be, you know, a little bit of embarrassment about that in Japan versus I think NAs might care a bit less. It's as simple as our culture nurtures the special flowers. Like we, we enable these people to want to feel special all the time and try to find more ways to feel special. So because we enable that, being on the internet is just the easiest way to, to just force that upon everybody else. Like from, from like a, a culture standpoint, like we we want to seem like we're the coolest guy because there sure is like probably some sort of inadequacy in our lives or whatever. And I'm sure it's pointed out by something else, but I mean, I don't think it, it boils down to anything deeper than that though. They're just more, they're just more comfortable with being as adequate as the person next to us. Well, as we're not, I mean, there's a difference too, between celebrating diversity and being a special flower. Like everyone... it's about celebrating special flowers, man. Yeah. Look, but... look, look at this Loretan fool. Right. Oh God! Oh, with, with how many eyes he's got now? Yeah, it gives him more power every time he gets banned, right? Like, it, it's, <laughs> well, no it's one knows who he like is. That. And and these these sorts of people. Well, yeah, I mean, the the dude is is basically like worthless from a game standpoint, at least to me. I'm just gonna go ahead and say. It. So, here's the thing: like, our the way our community works, and the way that all of our relations on these forums, and the way that we all try to like force each other to be so accepting of everyone around us, as long as we have like all of these like base notion ideas, like anytime one of these special flowers comes out and wants to start talking or whatever, we're basically just nurturing their ability to go do. Well, yeah, because we, we enable it. We're, we're like, we're like, yeah. And then everyone sits back and laughs and goes, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to grab some popcorn and, and watch this because now this is now the, the new entertaining thing to do. It's so like, we're, we're basically celebrating of. the fact that these special flowers are coming out and, and entertaining our lives with their, their sprinkle of insanity. It's a bit of a and, cannibalistic and social interaction where the everyone it's uh it's uh not front shaman, but anyway. No, it's it's just, you know, enjoying watching people make fools of themselves in your mind. But like it, it's it's self destructive sort of uh you know, just this this breakdown of interaction where it's a sport to you know, just watch people either be stupid to each other or tear someone else apart or, or, or like today in, in the Reddit discord, I talked for like the first time in like two years. I haven't said a word in that fucking place cause it's trash. 
and someone was complaining that my intro in the one to one nineteen frequently asked questions was a little too over uh, a little too emotional for what they want in their guides, and and that <laughs> and I said, well, this isn't the game for you then, and then they didn't understand, and it got into a thing about how uh, it's too snarky. Not them, but someone else jumped in, and uh, the the way things were phrased weren't acceptable to them when they when I said mentally defective because I was being snarky and, and ridiculous on purpose in the, in the very first start of it. And it's just that kind of that's the special flower to me is the the social justice warrior kind of aspect. I think that's more of an anomaly that gets over focused. But I just before we're in a rabbit hole here too, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to step back from the ledge, my friend. But uh, I don't know if that's a thing in Japan. I'm sure they don't tear each other apart. I'm sure there's probably a lot of hazing in Japan because of the anonymity, but not like face to face. Or is that? Am I wrong in assuming that? No, the the well, the hazing in, in, in group uh, shaming, like uh, so, it's definitely like there's bullying a lot more school bullying in Japan actually, because um, there's a lot of uh, hazing within an in group. But as far as like out groups so there is a lot of like anonymous bashing that goes on um for example uh during the height of the pandemic you know they the government the japanese government basically never actually passed a law until the very end uh, mandating that restaurants or anyone close down they basically just suggested that they close down at a certain time or forever for how long that would never work and then yeah, that would never work here. And and but the thing is, so there was social pressure against those who chose not to do so. So they would actually get anonymous phone calls and letters and people like, you know, close down immediately. And so there's a lot of like, you know, anonymous social pressure that that does go on or like the gaze, for example, it's like if you're not wearing your mask in a subway, it's like you get a gaze from everyone and you just know that you're not supposed to be doing that. That's actually, that's not unique to Japan either. That's definitely, you would see that yeah, in Germany yeah, yeah. as well. Well, access powers, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's not technically wrong. I think it's unrelated and it's funny, but. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's completely unrelated. It's super funny, though. I had to clarify that not technically wrong from Fox. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're not going to go spicy on us, I see. Oh no, there's no reason to like people understood what I meant by by saying you're not technically wrong. I didn't I understand it, Fox. Could you explain the joke to me? Uh, no, Fogar, I will not. <laughs> oh shit, that's the biggest insult I could have been given. Uh, you know, Fell's not happy we're talking about him on the podcast, but he doesn't listen, so fuck him. Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. It's just I don't mind talking about people who are in my life basically and yeah being part of the static means that you're part of my life because i spend a certain amount of hours every day you know playing this game with you um it's the same thing as like the people who got all uppity because like we would talk about murder like murder is a friend of ours whether or not he feels that that is uh well i'm a mutual thing him. i don't know if I'm. well yeah i mean just because it's, it's not mutual does not mean that we can still see it that way right and you know that's just that that dude's opinion but like we're free to talk about like the, the experiences in our lives because that's more interesting because we're, we're putting out a show like this ultimately is a show for people's entertainment and hopefully is it? at least my hope yes and any anytime you watch this sort of stuff like that that is what it is and hopefully you know there's like education that goes with it like that's that's my idea of what i want to go on with the show but i mean ultimately though people go on youtube it's like hey 
I want to be entertained while I'm at work. Let's listen to these asshats talk about Final Fantasy XI for like three hours. We're and that's respecting just, the time. You know, the name of the game. Yeah, we're respecting their time, right? And, you know, to, to talk about the people we know is entertaining because we get to reflect on our experiences and maybe people can, can have enough of a shared experience with us with their, with their own relations within game that they can kind of like, I guess, vibe for less, for yeah, like a, maybe less of a someone, good word. Maybe someone will send an yeah. email about that. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe. They want the writer's strike over here. But yeah, I mean, people, at the end of the day, people are just going to get sensitive about something that they don't agree with anyway, um, regardless of whether or not we understand that that's the case, and that's entirely on them to do. And it may be confusing to someone on the outside to understand um, when we talk about Fel, or anyone for that matter that we know or play with. You can understand when it's like malicious in terms of speaking about the written or yeah. when we... You know, there's there's a gray area when it comes to Simon Says there. He's in a gray area. But when it, when it's someone like Fell, um, there's a difference between breaking balls and not liking or understanding <laughs> or caring for the breaking balls culture. Breaking balls? Crit your balls off. Crit your balls off. Crit your balls I, off. Basically, like, if the if the dude was someone that I didn't like, I, we just simply wouldn't play with him. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't be in the group. It's as simple as that. So what's today's divide with server population? Is that where we're at? Now that we're back from the rabbit Could hole. Be, yeah. I mean that because there was latency differences or Yeah, we could well I you know, I think that we, we could just that. talk yeah, we talk about I think it's just a a bit of an excuse sometimes that NA is used, right? Like uh, it actually oh, comes up quite a bit with someone maybe Thorny is someone that would talk about it, but I'm I'm not gonna say him specifically, but he's the kind of person or someone Similar to that, they would talk about latency in terms of like claiming or something. Like my bot can't outclaim a Japanese bot. My RMTing right, think, can't outbeat the Japanese RMTing. I think that was like a thing before they added in the delay that comes with everything popping. I think it was an actual concern maybe back then. But as far as now, like people sometimes use it as a justification for using whatever add-ons they want to use in Windower. They're like, oh, well, JPs can do it because they, they, they don't have any without this because they don't have any latency. And so I need this to just even up the score a little bit. But I can tell you that living in Tokyo and having gigabit fiber um, and like actual gigabit fiber, not this Fios nonsense for the last you know mile is actually coaxial cable, but actually like into your modem fiber. But anyway, is it like yeah, a lot of up down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got files. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, just is it like a, ideal is conditions as can possibly be as far as like location to the server and like you know network um, latency and things like that. That dynamic that divergence is just as bad in Japan, for example, and there's not that much of a difference. Is your besieged as bad? Besieged in servers, it's not too bad, regardless. Oh, there's JP button. It's more so, it's more, because I've actually said this before, um, and to me, it's more so like the reaction time expected between, well, let's use the meeples thing as an example. There's obviously enough time for you to be able to cast a bar spell if you're not uh, in, in Japan, because I mean, I've cast the bar spells in response to that without react, obviously. If it's stunning, so, too, is the big thing it comes up with. Yeah, stunning thing comes up a lot, too. I, I'm never one who uh, who would ever promote react, and, and I've, I've said that before. Um, but as far as like the gear swap thing is concerned, like I've I've always noticed that sometimes the ready moves are or not ready moves, but but the mob ready moves are a bit fast for us to be able to 
not be able to respond to it. And I don't know how much latency is involved with that part. And on, on ambuscades like the Meeble one, for example, that just shows a bit more than if you were in Japan directly. Yeah, because I, I've, I've had I've, I've like read about people testing this specifically, and and it's not as bad in America as it is in like uh, Great Britain, like with the, the latency thing. Maybe yeah, that might be a problem at that point, but who knows? I don't know enough about it. But on the flip side, though, I've actually been really frustrated as a gear swap user for. Uh, dropping a lot of packets lately because of the, the lag that occurs in these zones. You like just submit a complaint to SC about that, Fox. Well, yeah, obviously. And I'll just casually explain that, you know, them dropping the, the packets, like my poor removal's not loading, my gear's not swapping with my third-party tool. Yeah, I mean, obviously. But um, the thing is, I, I, I guess I would want to, like, firsthand see the difference because I, I've, I've had people, like, test this out and show that, the, that there is a latency difference that, that can matter given you know, one second or less wind up time and being able to react to that as opposed to reacting to like, like the full window that would be available would be the best argument that someone who uses computer secure swap would actually have it is kind of my. Yeah. And, and as far as the dropped uh, packets thing is concerned, there was actually some discussion um, on JP blogs about the fact that um, swapping gear wasn't uh, working as well, like even in just normal vanilla macros wasn't working as well recently. Um, and one of the solutions that they found was to actually, um, because when you, you know, slash equip in a macro, um, you can designate which of the wardrobes that the item is in by adding a number at the end of that line. And people found that even if they're using, um, even if they only have one of that item, right? So it's not something where it's selecting between a bunch of different ambuscade capes. Um, it's only like one Niame male or something like that, that even in that case, if you add the number of the wardrobe that that item is in at the end, you'll actually have fewer dropped packets. It, you'll actually, it'll actually trigger uh, much more reliably in that case. It's probably well, doing I, four I times assume, the work. Yeah, exactly. I assume the system's based on some kind of hashing. So giving it an address to work with or a place to start is better than having it run through the entire, uh, I guess, algorithm Table. of how it finds things. Yeah, the entire Right, exactly. So that, that makes sense to me. If only I could do that in my gear swap and fix everything. <laughs> well, that, that priority message, right? I don't know if the priority will necessarily fix that because it's not checking a specific area for it. But it's outside of the game, so it wouldn't know to do that. So I don't think that would work the same. I hear you, though. And even back when people were starting to get on these tools, I played FF11 for a long time with just the vanilla system. Um, but I don't know. It was just something about the convenience of gear swap and me being able to tinker with gear swap that I think is the most appealing. I have actually considered not using it and going back, but hearing that the the packet drop thing is not, uh, it doesn't get doesn't seem like it's got any better like from the other end. Well, it seems it, like if you did yeah. fix it with this wardrobe thing, it would be even more work to organize your wardrobe and you would change your jobs. It would never work for you. Yeah, I would have to bench jobs. Like I wouldn't be able to play twenty one jobs. That's true. Right. And then, yeah, I think the depth of, you know, there's a lot of attracted attraction to the depth of gear stuff. And I think that I can completely understand that, you know, you get to have your own personalized, you know, Lua's for each of your jobs and you, it, it it's sort of takes on right. a bit of your personality, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every time you get on blue, it tells you how bad you are. You should feel bad about how bad your lock style is. Actually, mine doesn't tell me that. That's weird. Oh man. You must not be using mine. I don't know. I just know how to program things. I mean, you're not going to send me a tell about it? No, dude. But there are some cases, you know, 
like uh, where it, it seems like it, it does lead to a bit of an un, well irregular advantage uh, an advantage is not possible um perhaps with the vanilla so i think like one of the classic things is um trying to work in enough snapshot gear into a range attack macro because mm -hmm. with with gear swap it's very easy you know you just put in the set and it'll swap instantly, and you won't have any problems fitting in 70 snapshot and then on Ranger, the velocity shot with the Imperium body. Whereas with a, a macro system, um, well, you know, equip set takes too long because you have to have the weight one, so you're not going to swap reliably. And uh, you've got, you're limited to four uh, lines in a single macro where you can actually change gear. And so, you know, your options are, you know, you know Basically, JP's come up with two different solutions. One is to have, like, actually have to press two different macros to do a single range attack, which just is, is a bit too much for me. Or the other option is... From is, back in the day, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess it's, you could alt one, two or something, or control one, two, but that's still weird. And maybe it's easier on a controller, because I do keyboard, and so I don't know. Just this I probably would be harder on a controller, because you can hit one two quicker on a controller than one over enter you know you got to enter and then hit it again over because you got to there's only so many things you can do with a controller you can hit two you, you can time. pretty fast on a controller as a controller user but yeah having to navigate sideways with the directional pad yeah. and selecting another macro would be a detriment at that point yeah that's right and so you know there's a question of you know you can't necessarily fit in i mean the other option if you only want to do one macro is that you have some snapshot gear into your actual equip set and you have it enough so that you can balance it out between the swaps and the the actual mid cast or the mid shot gear, and so that you know, Inkengo was a big uh, boon in that regard. But before that, it was really hard to piece something together where you could actually use the Imperium body. I think most JPs just went without it at the end of the day. Speaking of JPs, is there like so a server is the NA server? Unfortunately, hopefully we're breaking away from that as time goes on. But. Uh... Bahamut hopefully will continue to pick up people, but I don't want Bahamut to be the next Asura. But is there like a JP server that's like, is it just Odin or? Odin's the home. You know, it's it's the biggest concentration, the biggest JP, primary, primarily JP server. Bahamut has a pretty good number of JPs on it as well. It's actually a story of a, well, not so fun story of a friend uh, on Cerberus who wanted to, a JP friend, who wanted to bring both his main character and his sub-account uh, to our Wave 3 run, uh, oh, you know, both no. characters. you have a Mer too. And, uh, I, you know, we had a full alliance. I said, no, you can only bring one. But, you know, because he already, his main already had the clear. And, you know, and it's like, you just come to sub. Maybe you get the clear. It'd be fine. It's like, no, I want to come both. And then he actually just warped out. Oh, you have a Mer. And, and then... Um, he actually transferred servers to Bahamut the next day. Wow. I think it was just, it was, he couldn't live down the, because it was like with all the LS members there, he just, he just could probably just couldn't live down the, the infamy. The shame. Yeah. The shame of not getting to go as both of your characters. Committed, <laughs> committed virtual seppuku. That's, I don't know, that, that's fairly ridiculous to me. Right. It's a very serious thing, Fox. I mean, I guess I guess that's the point of the story, right? Is that it's so ridiculous. Well, to I mean, us, it's I ridiculous, but to is. them, it's probably not as ridiculous because it's a matter of shame and public, you know, image. So it's probably not ridiculous to them. It's like you know, they couldn't show their face again, but to us, we'd be like, "Fuck it, just show up the next day." But to them, they couldn't. Right. They couldn't do that. But I think I think it was to be fair. It was probably on the way out anyway because he had he had finished his alchemy shield. 
and you know is crafting up a storm and Cerberus doesn't have a very big market and so he was always kind of complaining about that so i think he was already ready to go to a bigger pond for his uh his crafting desires next thing you're gonna tell me is they started streaming too (laughs) right fox likes that one that's that's not a mer one but i think uh but you know jp population is generally more distributed amongst the servers from what i can tell and you know it's not as much concentration because i think it goes a bit back to that you know uh, a lot more solo jp players and so there's not necessarily as much of a desire to um join the pickup um or be in the biggest pickup group market. Shit, if all you did was read the XI Reddit, you would think half of the NAs are solo players because half the posts are, how far can I get in the story solo? What can I do at 99 without grouping up? You know, what should I do to get into Endgame? And it's like, do they always kind of infer that they want to be in Endgame alone kind of thing? I do a lot of solo, honestly, and, and I can understand wanting to do it. Yeah, but you're capable. These are new players. Well, right, and I mean, I well, I mean, I can understand the, the why the JPs would want to Mr. Centurio. Centurio, get that rank twenty for minus twenty enmity. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any situation in which you're using a claustrum that the negative twenty enmity would ever come into play. Well, you can hate, so you hate yourself less while you're soloing. Honestly, like when it comes to that that particular staff, I really want to make it a support summoner staff and like find some sort of build to do that. Because the 15 a tick refresh seems to really help you wanting to expend a lot of MP all at once. And it, uh, I've, I've noticed it's easier, but it's harder to lock your staff in and not use like utility things like ra- even Radic Rod, you know, Radic Rod plus one for more pure potency, stuff like that. So it, it's still really awkward and I, I just really want it to work. And I keep trying to find ways to make it work and it's just always disappointing. <laughs> it's a shame that Frod's playing that piece of shit Final Fantasy fourteen. And he hasn't come back to 11 because he would have been good to have for a summoner episode, which is why we haven't done a summoner episode. Thanks, Fraud. And I'd probably be able to talk quite a bit with him. I, I feel like he would have the mechanics and the quirks of summoner down to like textbook. He sleeps with this under his pillow kind of thing. But in terms of using a radic rod or what you're talking about, a claustrum and your, your theory crafting, he would be like he would never, ever do that because it's like it'd be out of his reach. He's just he's summoner. He's not like Fox summoner. Oh, where you like want to try to support a party as summoner? Yeah, like, like well, mm. because I mean, I you can still play, and again, we're mm. on a tangent now, but uh, you can still play summoner and support a party as summoner. Like, I don't want to say a lot not of summoners playing. will go summoner sub white mage. I don't want to say not playing support, but just you know, not being fox about it. What just like building sets specifically here. to support? He would have like all the sets he needs, but not like. You know, like he'll have a cure set, he'll have this and that. That's just my impression of him playing with them. I, I maybe wow. I'm let me even a little wrong here, but you know, yeah, not, I don't know. not like a I want to make a radic rod claustrum set. You know, these kind of things to support better as a summoner. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Well, I would use my radic rod on summoner, but if I'm trying to maximize the MP efficiency, that that well, I say, even say MP efficiency, but it's probably not MP efficient to lock in your aftermath from Claustrum to get that much refresh per tick, which is actually quite substantial. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't quite made sense of where that balance really is in, in practice because it is very clunky to use. Maybe you'll be in doing the uh, Summoner episode because you're like getting into... Are you like a Summoner your thing now? Is that your new baby or... I've always, I've always liked Summoner. I've just... There's just always been better Summoners. So I never go Summoner. It's as simple as that. Like when I make a strat, it's simply maximum efficiency based on what we're trying to do. 
Like that's why that's why Hayden gets locked on Corsair, for example. I know we have other Corsairs, but I know that he's going to do the job properly every single time. Um, I usually have Abject on some sort of support role, um, not because I don't like his DDs, but because I know he's going to do the job properly every single time. Um, I have. I'd rather have him on support because I can DD. tell him five songs and hope he sings them. Um, you know that sort of deal. <laughs> Was another Felgar comment? Yeah, I had to do that. So, so actually, sing them. His his JAs wore off as he was singing them. It's fine. Um, but but yeah, that, that that's why I do the things I do. Is is I try to make sure that the group has as much efficiency as possible to get us through the content with as least amount of headache. So while summoner used to be something that might be rarer for NAs to find, I think a healer is still rarer for NAs to find. Obviously, so is that not the case for Japanese players or? No, the healers are actually probably the easiest job you're going to find if you're getting a pickup troop amongst the JP community. And, you know, I think you, you can really chalk that up to a few different factors. So um, one of them is, you know, not having this kind of hero complex, not needing to be the one who needs to do all the deeps and, and win. But also um, in terms of, you know, I've never, you, when a DD dies, at least from what I hear from NA parties and from my limited experience with them, it's usually blamed on the healer or often with bad people blamed on the healer. Whereas in JP parties, I've I've never seen that happen. It's like usually blame the DDs. Like, why didn't you have more DT in your set? I would never get reinvited now, back to a Japanese Now, party. who does that sound like? <laughs> Fox, you're Japanese. Like right? Yeah, I'm always on DD's cases about not managing their, their hate or DT properly. Next time I see you're going to be wearing a fucking Yukata. <laughs> no, that what you just described is, is, is my approach to most critiques, actually. And that's why I had to comment. Maybe they weren't wrong. And I've actually taken the uh, the custom, the spicy custom, perhaps, of, of checking people after they die. I Especially do. I want to see what yeah. you died in. Well, it's like when I when I died on Dancer at uh, Henwin the other night. I, I saw you check me because I was like, oh, yeah, why, why the fuck am I in this? Set? I did check you, and I did not know what that set was. Your greedy TP set has the 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 taming, not taming, sorry, the, the dampening tam. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All righty, Mr. Greedy. Yeah, quad attack. I have a lot of quad attack on that set. But yeah, the, you know, it, uh, it, you know, the hardest jobs, I think, and it's probably shared between both to find is like tanks. And then these days, do I do so well, even though my tank sucks. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, tanks, people are afraid to be the one because tanks kind of, they, fe they feel the responsibility for keeping the party alive, uh, for keeping people out of danger. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's just generally JPs don't don't necessarily want to have be the focus of that pressure. Is that why Zola didn't take a tank to his sealed fate? <laughs> <laughs> there's actually yeah. There's actually a post. Uh, uh, well, people are talking about in the JP community. The fact is, like, are we going towards a tankless future? What? Because like no. a whole lot of these things <laughs> what? don't need tanks. Sounds like I need to just drop all of my other jobs. Switch over to Quipset style macros or whatever, and then just like transfer over to uh, Odin and just play, uh, just play Paladin Rune Fencer all day long. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd do wonderful. Sounds great. And, you know, and then it's hard to find DDs because you know, like I said, people have a lot of, uh, I don't know, self-respect perhaps, or at least the trepidation about you know running in and and you know they want to live up to the requirements, you know, making enough uh, damage and so on. And not dying, not 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 falling over at the first TP move. And see, people, people, you know, they're more willing to be in the back line where they're not in the 
not in the the fray the spotlight where the scrutiny is not on them because they're supporting and not having all the attention on them yeah right exactly so it actually kind of suits the whole cultural thing yeah and and you know and i think if you you want to talk about one thing that perhaps nas do better or that i find that uh that is a problem with jp groups is that you have to explain everything in advance and you have to just you have to you know, make if this happens do this if if x then y and you have to be very clear about what the strategy is going to be because you should you cannot expect people to change things on the fly and that's it's, oh boy it's uh it's it's yeah. it's rough that's where fox that, and that i excel fox and i are yeah. always on the fly people Something always goes wrong, man. Yeah, when something goes wrong, you got to be able to adjust to that. And if you can't, then you're going to be explaining next time what to do again. Right. And so you, th- in that case, you just have to you have to think through all the things that could possibly go wrong and then try to explain them in advance. Ooh, and that's, then you, that's uh, overly analytical there. That's too much. It can be, have you seen my Odyssey strats written out? Uh, sometimes. I don't really read much. I know. <laughs> Last, you know, last night we lost to Henwin, and it was mostly my fault. <laughs> How did you lose to Henwin? I know, because we usually don't ever. That's the first time. Yeah, we basically auto-attack it to death as the last mob. So the- there was actually some latency issues going on there. I don't know if this well, would have happened. Did you drop some packets? I don't know. It wasn't packet dropping. It was some bullshit where Henwin... So the puppet's holding the mob. My puppet. The Abenteuer von Dreisen und Spicy Ryan. And the mob, like, I had stopped, I had overdrived, and I was uh, pushing it where instead of using the flashbulb or whatever, I was at that point, I was just trying to get greedy and uh, have constant counters uh, by using a galvanizer overdrive with thunder, fire, and actually, no, I was doing thunder, light, and earth. So I dropped all Emity Plus and Strobe. Because I'm like, he has it. I just use Invincible. That's plenty of enmity. And for a second, the mob turned, so I quickly switched back. But the mob was still facing that person. So then it happened. Like, the mob, I got the automaton, got the hate back again. It was fine. And then I pulled hate because I was also, due to the nature of our buffs in that fight, I'm using Kenkonkin. And the martial arts is pushing me above Hayden's Monk when I'm able to wear my full, you know, don't care about the puppet's existence set for a bit. And that's during overdrive. So it, I pulled hate for a second, and then the mob had that latency of looking away, but the automaton had to hate back at that point. And then during that happened again, and then I ventriloquied because I thought I had hate, but I didn't have hate because it was yeah. looking at me, and I thought it was hitting me. Mm. And then so the hate had now been screwed up significantly because all that extra had been lost because it, I thought it was looking at me, but it wasn't. It was did like a barreling smash and was facing me, but wasn't attacking me, so I thought I'd hate. I'm like, oh, I'll just give extra hate to the puppet now. I'll swap. And no. So then that happened. And then it started going after people. And it was, it just, it was looking in directions it wasn't facing and was staying that way. But it would like, it would take like 15 seconds to turn. Maybe not 15, but like 10 seconds to turn. So you think it's looking at you for a long enough time to react to it and a couple times over. And it's just like, it was not. So. And then yeah, it was that thing where the mob is like attacking your puppet but facing a different direction. But yeah. because the game knows it's facing a different direction, its counter arc was actually in that direction still, despite where it was attacking. 
Because Hemwin spams right. TP, so the moment it hit the monk with one TP move, it's facing the monk but hitting the puppet, but spamming TP moves in the puppet and not turning yet. So it's like you don't know what's happening. And then some people got countered and it just kind of went downhill from there. And that was, you know. It's like that weird limbo when you're in a group of mobs, like you're gathering a bunch of mobs and then you try to auto attack. And the system knows that you're auto attacking because you're gaining TP, but you still are unable to weapon yeah. skill because it doesn't think you're attacking. Yeah, you don't even pull your weapons out. Like, if you use the normal command menu and everything, it doesn't even give you the engaged command menu. It still allows you to right. try to attack things. Yeah, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And speaking of hate, like, I... So I grew... My group basically now is, what, like, two... What, three Taiwanese guys, a Chinese guy, and a Japanese woman. And, uh... It, we, this Chinese guy, like, he loves coming scholars. So he comes scholar. We're doing, like, Kalunga, uh, Ngai, and Prokni is our current trio right now. And uh, for some reason, the scholar decides, like, when Kalunga's at 20%, he's just going to caper Emissarius the Dark Knight. What? And just, wow. That just ended everything. For those like, who don't know, no that, that redirects all hate to the target. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the dude's doing this on purpose? No, he's like, sorry, I was, doing, I was, I was using my uh, commands uh, manually, and I, and I pressed the wrong one. Pressed uh, the wrong KA. Uh... Uh, I've done that before in Omen, though. I went scholar, and uh, I ended up putting all of uh, all of the hate on a on someone who was not supposed to have the hate on accident. And yeah, it causes it causes bad times every single time. Like Caper and Masari is such a sweet move, but when you accidentally that move, everything goes wrong. <laughs> like if you accidentally Benny, it's like, oh, whoops, sorry, the the quirk popped off too fast here. But <laughs> yeah, but if, if you do it with Emissarius, it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. The cork on the cherry beer. Because what happens is the DD gets hate, the DD gets flattened, and all of a sudden there is no hate anywhere, and the mob just goes on a rampage wherever anyone's gassed. Right. It's awful. So is there really no equivalent to auction house for the Japanese? They just don't care? Oh, they use, uh, well, as far as, uh, like, looking at transactions, they use FFXIH. Oh, well. But, there's a paper. Yeah, but I'm talking about the, the forums. Oh no! I mean, the most you get is like uh, some comments on blogs. Ooh, that's that's and they might have like that's very two thousand and four. Ooh yeah, and then there's Twitter. You know, there's like a little bit of back and forth, but it's not. A, I wouldn't call it a very lively conversation. So is Facebook and stuff? Not that I, I don't use it. I don't have one. But is that like a thing in Japan or no? Yeah, and actually, I, I you know I I had a Facebook in the early days, and then I deleted it because I didn't care for it. They seem like Eventually. LinkedIn people. But then uh, but then when I went to Japan, so I was in this research group, and they actually made me sign up for another Facebook because they do all the communication through Facebook. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, Facebook's a thing. It's not the Philippines. I, think... I mean, they could communicate besides Facebook. Right. Sorry to the Philippines. Um, like, the biggest social network sites there are Twitter, Instagram, probably. And then... I don't know, shit posting on... I could see Instagram yeah, because, like, everyone needs a cat account. But why does Twitter catch on and, like, other stuff, like, forums aren't a popular thing there? I don't know. I think, well, the forum culture is... is kind of It old. gets a bit too much. It's very old. It's, like, very old-style kind of, like, 4chan kind of systems. And the culture never really developed beyond that point. It's very rough and tumble. Um, Twitter, Twitter gets, I think took off a lot more in japan or at least it's a, it's got a wider segment of society rather than what you've got in the u.s because it's the a character limit 
in Japanese is so much less restrictive. Oh. And so, you know, if you want well, to forget the number of 200 something characters, right? You can actually put in a good paragraph um, in that character limit in Japanese. Whereas in the US, like, no, you, you know, it's like very basic responses. So, wait. so I think that actually led to like a much more, maybe a little bit healthier dialogue. So no forums means there's no Reddit in Japan, right? I haven't seen one. Because it's they're like a foreign-style social media. Yeah, yeah. Oh, snap, son. They've evolved. And you, know, and, you, and, you know, when I came back to the game in, what, like, 2017, 2018, there were two guides that I used. One was the BG Wiki guide. You know, I, I found, you know, the, the tone was all right. It wasn't too off-putting to me. A little too snarky. A little too snarky. <laughs> Although when it did when it did or did originally say go to Asura, um, I was like nah. Yeah, it did no but longer I, says that. That was a that was a. At the time, it made sense. It no longer that was a mistake in hindsight. Right, but the reason I said it because like the healthy response is say okay, well I don't agree with that, so I just won't follow that piece of advice. Once mm-hmm. I saw that, I was no longer wow. interested in following the guide, which is what literally was said. But. <laughs> wow, you mean you demonstrated a reasonable approach to assessing your needs? You were measured. Oh my god. That's amazing. His tone completely turned me off. But then there was like a JP blog that also had that I also used. Hmm? Then there was also a JP blog that I used that was like, start off as a thief because you'll get things faster. Oh, well, I, like, I mean, I kind of recommend thief in that guy too. Yeah. It's not unreasonable. But they missed, they actually missed some important stuff that I had to like later come back and get like, uh, I didn't start getting uh, void stones until relatively late. So, like, uh-huh. when I had to, like, make progress, I was, like, bottleneck for a bit there. Wait, so that means you didn't follow the one to 119? I was I was back and forth, you know? Oh. <laughs> I know it's in there as soon as possible, level 30. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss that shit, because then you're going to be bottlenecked. I skimmed through it, but I found a better guide. I found the <laughs> Japanese one, and I said, well, I can only have one, right? Guide is monogamy. Can't trust those enemies. Monogamy to guides. So, um... One of the other things you still have here, too, is spreadsheets. We're going back to Simon Says again already. Boy. Yeah, so spreadsheets. Um, so there are a couple of JP blogs that use spreadsheets in order to calculate things. And they post, like, the recommended gear sets and things like that. Oh, shit. Two, two-man sell is probably the biggest JP blog for that. Where, like, people look up for gear sets. Well, he's kind of slow recently to post stuff. And he's a bit... Um, He's not as creative as I'd like sometimes. He doesn't think as much out of the box. Like, if you look at his, he recently posted a ninja set. I was going to say like, before you said that, so was he, like, logical? <laughs> and then you important. said ninja. Yeah. Not throwing, I see where this is going. I'm not throwing any shade at logical here, but it's that my mind immediately, as soon as you started describing this sentence, I'm like, oh. And then he said he's not very, you know, as I wanted to be. And I'm like, oh. And then he said ninja. And I go, oh. Because <laughs> he, he, you know, before he used to post like multiple weapons, like at least he'd have a Nagi and so on and so forth. But this time he's like, I just ignore all that. The only one that like matters is Kikoku, <laughs> and he's got a Kikoku set, and that's it. Wow, that's interesting. Interesting's a way to put it. But they, yeah, they're definitely not thinking outside. Well, he's not thinking outside the box, like Savage Blade, like Fox. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if I if Savage Blade isn't viable and I'm not doing hybrid weapon skills, I I can actually agree that Kikoku is the one that I go to actually. So, right. but but it has to it has to like change in, in almost that order. Like 
Savage Blade or Hybrid. If not, then Kokoko is, is usually where I live. Unless Piercing, in which case I use Tar. I you know, and I think the good thing about his approach is that he definitely like he has base levels of accuracy in all of his sets. Like he aims around like at least twelve hundred for a lot of content and things like that. And uh, you know, it's not like you see with a lot of NA based um, spreadsheet calculated or you know best in slot sets where it's a bunch of like high weapon skill damage. You know, before it used to be like high weapon skill damage, dark matter augments, things like that, or just race and gym augments, which is like no accuracy whatsoever. That's well, you know. That difference that you just described is actually the biggest the biggest pet peeve I have with the way that we tend to use set the, those spreadsheets and stuff. That's usually why I'm nitpicking people who who do spreadsheet things is because in one you have context applied to everything. Like like you said, it's like hey, this guy's saying with this much accuracy, use this set. And I'm sure there are other conditions, right? Whereas we'll take like a blanket approach and be like, you know what, this seems to do the most deeps under whatever condition I happen to plug in here. Right, and it's just completely fictional. I was going to say, yeah. the best part about Nayame is getting rid of all my fucking Dark Matter augments because I'm so glad to be rid of those. They were no accuracy enough. Here, here. You know, I'm actually, yeah, I actually just sent a whole bunch to my mule just to be on the safe side. I keep them, but yeah, I, I hear you. Like, I just freed up, I think, nine inventory slots. Which wow, is you can change me. jobs now. Uh, not, no, almost, almost. I'm getting there. But one day, hopefully. So... You were talking to me too. It's in the outline, but we were talking about this as one of the last things talked about during the "Do you clear the smell test for Fox?" conversation. And you were saying that although on the spreadsheet Chango is the best and skill chains, uh, you were saying that the Japanese like using Ukon in Shoal C for Warrior, not Savage Blade, not Chango, not any you know, but Ukon. Yeah, and, and for a long time, Ukon has been the the weapon of choice amongst JP warriors. And, uh, you know, for, I think especially Shines and Shoal C, um, because you're, you're thinking about the amount of HP that each mob has, right? And so there are a lot of cases where um, one weapon skill won't be able to kill them, right? And you don't, and if you, if you have a Chango, for example, that has relatively low white damage, then you're in a very awkward place where after you've done your weapon skill and you've got a bit more HP, man, 10% more HP left. Uh, do you just keep hitting it and keep saving, storing TP, or do you waste basically waste another weapon skill and you know to to finish it off? Whereas if you have something that's very high white damage, like an Ukon, well, you do a weapon skill and you don't actually waste anything when you're you, know, you just white damage it down, and it only takes a couple more cycles. And so it's actually instead of looking at spreadsheet, which is I'm hitting a brick wall, what's my DPS if I'm hitting this brick wall for you know? ad infinitum versus how much time does it take me to actually kill each mob? How do I make it so that the amount of damage I'm doing um, is enough to eliminate the enemy's HP without going overboard as much as possible? Fucking thank you. So here's the problem with spreadsheet land. Here's the problem with spreadsheet land. Yes, what you just described is every message that I've ever tried to provide on DPS. Meanwhile, right? Fox is hearing this and goes, I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. Well, <laughs> I really think so. Here's the thing. Like, that, that is actually the, the right approach to it. Like, yes, it may come up short on spreadsheet, but it's about what's really required and not about what max DPS is. I try to and bridge the gap. Find that, well, I, yeah, I, I, I get that. But I mean, just in general, though, I have to talk in very general terms because like, that's, that's the way my message generally is, is in general terms. I just want people to think about these things. 
there will be some people who do take these things into account, some people that don't. And just the fact that that they're they're doing that in particular and showing that Ukon is actually the, the the winner, I guess, in this situation, um, despite being lower on DPS, is the is a more practical approach to I guess approaching your DPS in general. Like it's uh you're you're basically getting the most bang out of your buck because it serves the purpose better, even if it does less damage on uh on some sort of calculator. Right. And this is why, you know, and, and Zola actually did this whole like spreadsheet calculation um of you know which of like comparing the different DPS jobs for Shoal Sea farming. And basically, yeah, Ukon War for most cases comes out on top, you know. Uh Dark Knight does pretty well but you have the problem of the weapon types um he actually yeah, he just yeah. threw out the suggestion that uh you know maybe this is a place where gugnir can can come in because Why? dragoon has dragoon has a little bit too little attack because it doesn't have as much smite it doesn't have the 35 it only has 20 instead of the 35 percent bonus like warrior does with berserk so when it gets to like floor four it, it comes into a problem that it's not able to cap pdf with bard buffs uh, bard and core buffs um, and so he's like, well, maybe this is where Gugnir, you know, you've got the defense down proc. Maybe that'll help you. So did that's, he, that doesn't did he also compare it. that to like shine, something like shining one though, where you can artificially get around needing extra attack, like perhaps switching to shining one in that particular floor or, did, or does he mention it at all? Like, that's actually really interesting to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it didn't mention in that post, but recently like, he, like their records, I think we're uh, a war, two wars, like one party with two wars and one party with uh, a war and a Sam. And he says, you know, oh my God, Shining One is, is showing, you know, it's amazing us because you're able to one shot a lot of that stuff, you know, getting out of that PDF issue. Yeah, because you could just jump for the extra TP and be done with it because you'll do a massive weapon skill. Trishula was, was very subpar in there uh, on the higher floors because as you were saying, you had the attack issue. So, yeah, right, and I wonder if it's kind of back up there. I'm so happy it, that the Japanese are not spamming Savage Blade on Warrior and not capping their <laughs> fucking attack delay like all the NAs are and using Ukon and Shining One and things like that so that they. Wait, how do they handle Blunt then? Um, do they just avoid Blunt mobs or what do they. No, they kill everything they can. Um, so they just use and, Club and so, be done with it. Club, yeah, Club and be done with it. And, you know, it, and they actually even killed the, uh, the Hawks. Um, but, you know, he had like a, a frustrating pose to his like because they use a scholar so they can just in water people. Well, OK, OK, here's wait, the wait, thing. Wait. We, we've done in water, but we've also seen the Dahaks still go off. Mm. And, but you know, I've, it... I've seen it succeed, too. Like when I was in Ruomoko's group doing it, um, that's how we did it. We, we uh, AOE'd in water from the Red Mage and we just killed the Dahaks without any issue. But then I took I tried that approach with uh, with my group. And water, everything was like basically the same, and we saw the hawks still go off. So I, I don't want to say that that like refutes it or anything. It's just we stopped killing the hawks because it wasn't worth that risk because some something we were doing was still wrong. Wait, so yeah. just auto attacking with M water kills it because M water does that much damage? Because I'm not, I've not done that. So I'm... water causes amnesia on the. Oh, 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 that's an old what, school thing. I think what it technically does is it reduces their TP for every in water hit. That's, that's definitely that actually cool. makes more sense. An old mechanic. Yeah. So you have to be able, yes, you have to be able to balance it. So you might have a case where you're feeding too much TP despite the in water, and so that's why you're having them the moves still go off. And then I think you still have to silence the mob, or else they'll they'll use the song um, abilities. It's a lot of work unless you're bringing a blue mage. 
Yeah, so it's it's really, you know, you really have to be like him, like you want to push to the very maximum segments possible, right? I think for us, we, we just skip them too, usually. It's just... I mean, how fast can you kill them, but just, well, you're not weapon skilling, or just, you are weapon skilling, but you're using water to get to that point. So, I mean, how fast could, how, I mean, they, they're not like they have low HP. If you have a Dragoon in the group, I could see it too, because you're going to get that extra bonus, so it could be worthwhile, I guess. Right. And, and you know, and it just... Like, I haven't seen him actually post a video of him doing, you know, just his reports on Twitter. But, and, you know, one of the things, and I can actually look this up, is that, you know, people, when you talk about not capping attack speed, I mean, people don't realize just how much of a hit you take from that. It's huge. Um, because yeah. it's just like, it's actually, Dragoon would do much better than Warrior, DPS-wise, yeah. you know, only comparing two-handed weapons, like uh, Ukon versus uh, uh, a Polearm. Uh, Trish or something like that, because if only because of that two percent extra haste, like they're actually able to cap attack speed on Dragoon versus not being able to do so on Warrior. Just even just using Savage Blade. As someone who has used a, a Warrior without a sub job, like versus Kalunga, for example, we used our group's Warrior to do that, and um, they don't cap attack speed, and it's a noticeable difference. Like it is a huge difference when when they when they can't. And uh, it's an exponential gain. That two percent is more than two percent. Yeah. It's nice that they realize that. Yeah. Because I try to explain it to people, and I've in pickup groups uh, before, I was with you guys more, and there was like geared out warriors that were good at the job, frankly, and geared out at that. But just, I try to explain it to this one guy, and he goes, What do you mean? I don't have enough haste? I'm like, God, It's not, no. It's, it's, it's like, Well, I have cap gear. I'm like, No, it's not gear. It's not magic. It, it's job ability haste. Just delay in general. Delay questions are something that I answer quite a bit. Like a lot of people ask ask those questions. Like the, like Mr. Dark was completely unaware of of the fact that haste it goes beyond magic and gear. Yeah, it's usually when JA haste gets into the mix and and confusing when when to use that with when to use like other delay reductions like dual wield. Um, that's usually where people start to get kind of strange with their understanding of things. I could see dual wield because it's a varying amount, but just knowing you need to have Hasso or Samba and that's it, you know, that's not confusing. Well, yeah, I mean, in theory, it is simple. And honestly, the I think maybe it could boil down to the explanations I give. Like a lot of times when I break down exactly how it works, like that's that whole thing where I was talking about, like, you know, trying to use a bazooka to hammer in a nail, like when I was explaining something the other day. Um you probably just don't even need to do that. It's just like, hey, just add this much job ability haste. It's just I'd really like people to understand why they're doing the things they're doing. And I think that's where the convoluted explanation comes from. I don't know. Now, this is something that I'm super interested in because we didn't get to talk about it. And I know Eric's, we have to have a little Eric's breakdown here of something he would like to know very much. Or maybe he already knows about it and just, you know, I, I seem uh, snarky. But what is this magic accuracy testing with automatons? Ah, yes. So. So, you know, uh, what is it? So it's the scanner that I think uh, you guys talked about that you, you say it doesn't really work. Uh, no, that's people on auction house understanding that the scanner works uh, and then it's not just built into the head. It, it makes a difference on the Spirit Reaver. But it used to not work in the past. They had to fix it. Like it, a big thing for many, many years on Pup to my, this is that we actually need to Eric. Someone call Eric's and wake him up right now. It's only uh, it's only about seven o'clock there. He should be up by now. Um, a big thing in the past was that the scanner didn't work 
even though it kind of worked, it was buggy. And it was like this big contentious issue next to the tactical processor or whatever it is for all these years doing nothing before we knew what it did being not very important. Um, it was, yeah, that was the scanner thing. I don't think scanner doesn't work today. It still just works in its peculiar tactical processor-esque manner, but it makes a very clear difference. Uh, against key, instead of casting arrow, I believe the example is, you'll just focus on fire and not arrow when the scanner's on, but when the scanner's not on, Spirit Reaver will use both. Right. Even and you know, and so I, based on what I, you know, what I've read, so there's a, a blog, um, Saji Tohu. It's it's I don't know, murmurs on the eastern wind. What do you call it? It's basically he's a super red mage. He's done a ton of testing, ton of mechanics testing. Uh, but he he used automaton uh, with scanner and tranquilizers to try to determine the magic accuracy that you need for each mob and each mob level. That's really and basically weird. takes he takes advantage of the fact that scanner. Um, has um, it kicks in? Um, it makes it so that uh, the the automaton can only attacks uh, use spells that have at least a thirty percent hit rate, magic hit rate, and so he uses that. He triggers he triggers that along with tranquilizers to adjust his magic accuracy, and so by adjusting his magic accuracy and seeing which spells the automaton uses against a particular mob, he can try to figure out how much magic magic accuracy is needed for of, of for a particular element against that mob. That's awesome. So I'm gonna have to pull up the scanner page now. <laughs> I didn't know there was an actual SDT threshold that was established for it. So if you see the JP wiki, um it says like so it's 30% without any ice maneuvers. And then if you add one ice maneuver it's uh at least a 40% hit hit rate. With two, it's at least 52%. With three, it's at least 62%. God damn it. The BG page and all its snark. Did I do this? A seemingly constantly broken attachment. That has to be my terrible, seemingly constantly. That has to be me. Only I would write something that horrible. Uh, a seemingly constantly broken attachment. In order, or This other part, I think, was hit by someone else. Uh, in order for your trusty automaton to determine enemies' resistances, it's not enough to just equip a scanner. Try using an ice maneuver after equipping a scanner in like the italic sarcastic, and it links to a Kamate, a Kamate 2012 post that just is uh, literally that for your trusty automaton to use it, try using that. But I had checked JP Wiki when I was making the scanner page here. So if I didn't see that, I don't know if it's newer. It would have to be newer, as in within the last four... Hold on, I could tell you exactly. It would be four years. Yeah, so he actually did... So I'm looking at his blog. He actually did the testing in January of 2020. Yeah, that's what And the JP wiki was updated based on his testing. Okay, this is five years ago I made this page. Yeah, and so... And I actually misspoke a little bit. So it's not that it's a 40, 50 to 62% hit rate. It's 30% hit rate. Um, and then it's a plus 40 magic accuracy threshold, plus 52 magic accuracy, plus 62 magic accuracy. Plus oh, above shit. That. So it adds Mac as well. Well, it doesn't add Mac, uh, magic accuracy. It's It basically, it only casts spells that have magic accuracy. So if you have one ice maneuver, 40 magic accuracy above a 30% hit rate. Oh, oh, okay. So it's not STT threshold. It's if your hit rate would be a certain percentage. Or right. yeah, so, so what he what he's doing is he's watching for the uh, the AI to change on what spell gets cast, and he's incrementally raising his magic accuracy with the tranquilizers. 
That's fucking exactly. That's incredible. Yeah, that's just Japanese as fuck. <laughs> I've never that's heard of something awesome. so. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I've never heard of something so. Like, I, there are certain things that happen like that where I couldn't picture an NA player coming up with that. I can't describe that in uh, intricate terms there, but I, I couldn't imagine an NA player coming up with that scanner idea right there. It's interesting. It's super interesting. And then so he's able to use that, you know, and, and actually he combined it. So, you know, JP players do get a little bit of an unfair advantage sometimes in terms of information that gets released. So, you know, um, hold on, they... I gotta, I gotta, before we go on, that, that makes him the Leonardo da Vinci of, of Red Mage. Cool. That's, uh, that's good, man. Go on. I'm sorry. Go on. So basically they, they told, uh, they told the JPs, um, that, you know, certain spells have magic accuracy bonus, right? So the spell, for example, has a plus 175 magic accuracy bonus. That's news to me. So this is why, you know, and, and it felt that way even back in the 75 days, right? The spell had higher Yes, magic it was always accuracy. more accurate. Well, yeah, it's always been more accurate. I've never had a number attached to it before. Yeah, so they actually told people that, you know, this is the number. Wow, don't worry. The BG and, Wiki doesn't have it yet. And Frazzle 2 has 150, and, and but Frazzle 3 does not have any Maga Jack Street bonus. So this is why you're able to exploit Frazzle 2 in order to land Frazzle 3. And you can actually put in more potency gear to your Frazzle 2 set in order to you know help land your Frazzle 3. Ha! Uh, Fox's mind has been bent. He's oh, no, no. I've, I've sort of... Okay, so I haven't known that exact magic accuracy boost that it has in particular. I figured you were quite um, But uh, it's just a matter of, of stacking that effect in order to make another effect easier to land, though. Like, basically, I, I'm still doing the same thing that they're doing. It's just without the understanding that Frazzle 2 has a native magic accuracy bonus. Does Frazzle like, 1 get a bonus or no? It's 150 as well. Oh, so maybe you could do a, a step ladder here of super yeah. accurate Frazzle 1 and then potency Frazzle 2. And then because, you know, we've had certain times we've seen people unable to land Frazzle Fox. That's that's awesome. They aren't actually. they aren't our party anymore though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but not for that reason. I know that's yeah. not a kind of elitist just now. Yeah, well, well, if you can't land something in a fight, it's not elitist. Yeah, it's not functional. See, the the thing is, is that the the understanding in practice could be figured out by us. Like uh, that that's some that's a trick that even an A red mages know and should do, but a lot of them fail to do. Um. Well, but we've never we don't wars. we don't get the we don't get the numbers attached to it though. Like getting that information on the numbers would have been so huge. So just like knowing the the magic accuracy boost that Frazzle Two has or Frazzle One has, or even just the magic accuracy boost of Dispel and getting that at an actual number instead of people just saying it seems pretty accurate, would have been absolutely huge for us to know. Like that that kind of information would be amazing. Right. Well, I guess someone could have reverse engineered it if they had known the automaton method with scanner and tracking. It's true. And had the wherewithal. Now I have to update the wiki. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. See, here's an NA thing. I really wish Scholar got Frazzle too now. Here's an NA thing, because I, I put the comment thing there. Uh, uh, being uh, sarcastic and snarky in the face of a suggestion and advice, where instead of spelling it out for someone, 
you give them the information that can lead them to it. As in, in order for your trusty automaton to determine enemies' resistances, it's not enough to just equip the scanner and try using an ice maneuver, which is telling you the ice maneuver increases the effectiveness of it, but not that it um, changes the resist yeah, yeah. rate of which it will cast a thing. You know, it's leading you to it, but you know the NA response is to be like, "Yeah, it's broken." And, yeah. and the Japanese response is to go, oh, tell me more. I'll, I'll go try it. We just go on thinking it's broken. Yeah, you know, there seems, well, you know, you have some people like Fox and Markel, you know, people who are willing to go out there and actually just try something, you know, tr- use the same ability X number of times, try to get a sample and try to put things together. Like but there seems head. to be, you know, there, there seems to be, you know, a few more people on the JP side who are willing to, you know, bash their head against the wall for a while like you know finding out that the fluke boots have to be equipped you know the the artifact boots on rune fencer have to be equipped in order to get the fluke effect i did see that for uh japanese stuff yeah that and the uh batuta crown has to be on when you're using it so don't just macro it in yeah and it's you know just like you know your willingness to to cast poison a million times on things that'll uh mimic them on you and see what happens uh, true shot. Oh yeah, so this this goes into um the the new frontier of of Odyssey and M's. I think where it's like you know we've a lot of parties have already done their first V fifteen clears, so they're now trying to to piece together you know three NM runs in order to maximize their uh, uh, output for each run. Or they're just copying what people say to do and just doing those three NMs. Yeah. Yeah. But because they made it, you know, they made that tasty nine times bonus, you know, so people want to piece them together as much as possible. But, you know, Zola and team are actually trying to win all three. And, uh, you know, it's um, one of the things. So one of the issues that you get for uh, the NMs in Odyssey Jail is the fact that only two jobs have access to Dia. And then you have limitations on... Um, you know, only certain moms are susceptible to defense down effects. Only certain, you know, unless you're using the slug, which can, you know, yeah. uh, be used on all of them. Um, and then, uh, you know, you're not able to use all of your buffers in one run because you're not going to be able to win your other runs if you, you know, stack them all together into one. Yeah, attack speed becomes a huge issue, just haste in general, uh, when you get to mob three. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, that. Uh, this big thing with like so when we do the Kalunga Ngai Prokni, like Prokni, uh we we had to resort to you know entrusting haste beforehand and then like diffusioning erratic flutter and then just you know try to uh raffle stomp it before uh things go wrong. Yeah. Uh but uh but basically so one of the things is that uh uh Aribati, you're you're gonna have an issue um so if you're already using Bard um, for like a Bumba or for something else, you're going to have issues capping attack um, on your Ranger and Corsair. And so, you know, they found that you actually, you're in this interesting place where if you're right in true shot range for bow, for longbows, so like right at the, the 11 Yom range, you can actually just be outside of the um, the AoE range for Arabati. So they won't get hit by his TP moves. Um, and then you get that really, and they've added so much true shot gear that you could get to like 30 plus percent true shot on a ranger. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's just like you're in this really beautiful place. Where, so you're not going to be able to hit the PDF. Um, you're not going to get the advantage of the higher PDF limit on a gun 
but you can get the, you know, the advantage of true shot on a bow. And so they actually do higher DPS if you use a bow at that range. Because it's a flat damage increase? Yeah. Or a percentage damage increase, I mean. Right, right, exactly. And then they're actually also exploiting it even further. So they're using um, Imperial Arrow um, and Detonator because they have yep. uh, two times attack bonuses. Yep. So yeah, you get really tasty in, in that regard. I had a feeling with bow too, because like when all that true shot gear first came out, I, I was like, man, we could do some really crazy things with true shot, especially like uh, given like Imperian weapons, uh, the Imperian weapons available to it. And I was really hoping that uh, Gandiva would would be super good with that. But it sounds like the better option is just to um, use fail not because of the TP bonus. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're getting the attack bonus out of it as well, then Imperial Arrow is probably pretty ridiculous. Right. I've been making yeah. Gandiva recently. It's funny, my, my Malform key item right now is a uh, Malform bow, by the way. Well, Eric's oh, script nice. uses Gandiva, but also, true, uh, too, if you, you know, kill speed is important in body still, so, yeah, I mean, having that true shot there instead of having a gun when you're trying to, you don't have a bard at that point because you're using a different NM is that actually does, because there's all these things we never had to use before in the past, and now we've added more use cases to so many things that were just ignored because they didn't have to be used because they were suboptimal, but now they're not as suboptimal as they were because now there's necessity. Well, you also combine that with, with um, hover shot too, and just well, hover shot and true shot at the at the proper range. That's pretty crazy. Since we don't slide I'm around. Well, the J the JPs won't either, but I imagine that that's probably how they approach it. Is they'll actually use the hover shot the way it was intended. Does it matter yeah. more for bow as opposed to gun? Because we just didn't even oh, yeah. bother using it for gun. Well, we were also there were also a lot of things uh, comparatively wrong to the strategy um, that that's being unfolded right now. Like, there's a lot of things that we did comparatively wrong, and that the NAs do comparatively wrong. Like, like not taking advantage of flat percentage increases. Besides that, just that's it, or. That's a huge difference. Man. Well, yeah, I know it's a huge difference, but it just, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just one thing. Yeah, and and just and and the way that and the, the real point of this is that they can factor into having more tier three fights because if you use like your your specific buffers in the right situations, uh, the the moral of the story here is that you can use these kinds of weapon skills with the inherent attack bonus on them in order to get around whether or not you need like certain buffs from a bard, for example. Um, when you can provide that yourself from the weapon skill you're using and still get enough debuffs on the mob, you know, it just it, it's just about balancing your party properly. I guess it's the, the non-long way of saying it. And, and the more information you have towards the tools that you have access to, the, the better you're going to be able to balance your party when, when you can critically think about how to build it. And that, that's kind of what's going on here. And that, that's what he's, he's describing with how to do it. Would using the ambuscade bow make more sense than the TP bonus here? Or is the TP bonus going to be more effective? Well, because Imperial Arrow scales so much with TP, like you want to be at 3,000. Well, yeah. Um, but... it, it, that's one issue. And then the other issue, is, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that the Ambuscade bow is actually a short bow. So it the is... true shot range would be lower. Okay, that's, yeah, that's different. Yeah, so it wouldn't get the same bonus. It's been so long, I forgot there's a difference between short bows and long bows. Because bows just that's that aren't super, used by us. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's super old school. That you would think about a long bow on a samurai versus a short bow on like a red mage or a thief. Uh, so yeah, the FTP on Imperial Arrow. So it gets that hundred percent attack bonus, uh, but it's uh, one point five for a thousand, two point five for two, and then five for three. Yeah, it's just crazy TP scaling, like uh, Seraph blades, something like that. 
Yeah. And if you also look at the um, the uh, the Ionic bow, uh, what a lot of times people don't realize is that it has the delay of a gun almost. So like per shot, you're actually you're feeding a lot of TP, but you're also gaining a lot of TP also because it's the store TP plus ten plus a six hundred base delay on its own. Right. A lot of people don't don't even realize what the delay on that bow actually is. So you can get there in less shots usually. Hmm. And a cool tip is that uh, I don't know if it's it's if they've patched it or not, but I think it still works. Is that if you use Rune Fencer, um, and you rake three uh, wind runes, that you can actually land armor break on Arabati. Huh. That would make sense. That does make sense. That, let me look up the tiers real quick. That would mean that we know their resistance tier. I imagine they checked it with two, or maybe not. Oh, but... I'm sure. I'm sure it's in a JP blog somewhere. Yeah, but I don't have access to that box. Yeah, just leagues ahead. Yeah. So I and unfortunately, there's that mm, there could be a. I want to say it's a five percent. The, the thing is, is that with this kind of information, I would be able to put this sort of thing be, <laughs> would be able to put this sort of thing together. So I really want access to the the info that the, they're able to get hold of. It's crazy. It's possible. Yeah, unfortunately, there's one guy, um, Longhorned on Twitter. He also runs like the website. Uh, if you've seen the Japanese resistance tables for like a lot of NMs and different monsters. Yeah, that's what the whole thing on the wiki started from. Was that guy's? St- he hasn't. He stopped updating it recently. It hasn't been updated yeah. since. Yeah, his Twitter has it's gone silent for a few months. So unfortunately, it's uh, yeah. like he, he he didn't add the the JLNMs, for example. Yes, that was the biggest hit. Like if we had that information when we were making our uh, strategies, we would have known that certain things. Like if he knew the, if we had the value here, we would have known that if you use rake, we could land the armor break or something on everybody because we'd know. Okay, it's at that that resistance value, that that tier. We could change it with rake, but still, it's like eh. Yeah, it would have been great for situations where we didn't bring a beastmaster. That's for sure. <laughs> we try to bring beast to everything. Yeah, I mean it's cool, but sometimes it's just it's, it can just be more efficient not to. Though Arabody's not Kalunga, but the attack down for all the melee hits against a rune fencer, particularly if you get caught in your midcast, is still nice. So if true shot would have yeah. made the difference there of having a beast work or not, I think you could still bring beast to it. Well, bringing bringing something for true shot versus Kalunga won't exactly work because it's not weak to piercing. No, no, no. I'm talking about Arabati with beast. Oh, Arabati, because we okay. eventually ditch beast on it. Uh, but killer instinct with bows. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, time was our issue towards the end of the yes. Time. That uh, was we what I'm talking about. Time. Yeah. So if we made this change to where we were using, <clears throat> excuse me, the the bow the longbow setup, uh, we could have definitely brought a beastmaster back the fold and not used a geo most likely and then that would have made it a lot more survivable uh well survivability wasn't a terrible issue but it could come up but it would, it would have been good to have the attack down on him as well that's for sure and i mean that way you don't have to have a rune fence or tank it because if you're doing multiple fights you only get a rune in one of them yeah so it would make sense to have if because i'm not saying you would do arabati as one of the three but if it was easy enough to make these changes like ongo for example you probably definitely need the bard for that one. Mm, that makes it hard because well, you, I mean, yeah. someday I definitely want to upgrade my Impaka gear. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. He's the Impaka. Got to figure that out sooner or later, right? Yeah, that's that's right. Because Impaka is super sweet. So that's the question I have for both of you: is uh, what do you think about this? Uh, the way that seals are operating, and the fact that um, you know, even if you don't kill it, you're still getting, you know, eight like for the the fully boosted one, eight point x you know times the the amount of rp 
I think I think once it gets, I think it's due for a fix. They're just still trying to figure out how to fix it. I think it's tied into a system that's not an easy fix for whatever reason. But I think like what happened with us with the headwind is as long as you don't time out, you keep the bonus for the next month, so you get your three yeah, times the bonus. chain. Was yeah, the, the most chain. Important thing. Yeah, I think the chain should be preserved. But this whole do one percent and time out thing and get you know a million points. Uh, that's obviously a bug. Right. And, you know, I'd be happy if they, because, you know, there are two ways of looking at it, right? Like one is you should reward people a lot more for the fact that they're actually able to complete the fight and win. But it's also like, you know, the issue of frustration. So like, you know, if people are doing something and they get a very poor reward, they're, they're less willing to kind of experiment with things. I think like one of the beautiful things about the Odyssey NM, or at least the, the three chain system, is that you can think through different strategies and try to put, you know, what your party has, who has what jobs, and try to think of the, you know, the most optimal way of, of putting together a run. And, you know, if you're able, if you don't have as much of a penalty um, for failing, then people are willing to, you know, try maybe off the wall things. Unless you're honestly, go fuck. Honestly, what I like most about the three NM system for the, for the segments, um, or not the segments, but the amplifiers, is that everyone wants to do the Bumba gear, right? And get that, you know, situated. And after Bumba, it's probably going to be like everyone wants to do the Sigpata gear and get that situated because obviously those are the ones that, that most increase DPS and keep your DD safe. Right. Now, what it also does, though, is it allows you to also farm RP for other NMs that other players would consider just as important, if not niche. So, like, the reason we fight Henwin is we have a lot of mages in our group, and we really want to cap out the um, the uh, the sash that, that goes with that. Yeah. Because that sash is incredible. Um, so that was my... That, that was the reasoning behind us wanting to do a Henwin instead of, like, just two um, tier ones. We would do, we do, we do a tier one and then a tier two. Because capping Koisi Vodar is also an important one to cap out, because you're getting free yeah. attack on a multi-attack, you know, ammo piece. But... If it was a situation where, oh man, we could just do three Bumbas in a row, you know, and get that, and, and be able to actually complete them with, with a party or whatever, with, with different parties or whatever, um, it would just be focused on, oh, well, let's figure out how we can do three Bumbas. We'll never go back and, and tackle these other, like, niche pieces that are still very good cogs in your loadouts. Right. So it incentivizes us to, to actually play content that we otherwise would just turn our noses up at. Like, like when we saw us go from tier one to tier two, people stopped doing tier ones and started doing tier twos. And then tier threes came out and people stopped doing tier ones and tier twos because all the tier three gear is ridiculous and so forth. I'm glad that we now get to go back and actually have a reason to farm those, those pieces to get bonuses on the, the ones that everyone's all crazy about. So I, I guess it, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, because like it's the, you know, the flat fee structure, right? Every, every NM costs the same amount of segments. So people are going to want to try to spend them all on T3 or T4. Whereas in this case, if you have to chain them together, then you definitely open, you know, people don't see it as much of a loss. It was really smart that they kept all the RP separate. That's for sure. Yeah. What, what did you have for that spicy? I was going to say that uh, when you're saying that the cost is lower um, and you know, the frustration is lower, unless you're like the auction house community, auctionhouse.com, where they go, yeah, but the segment's lost. It still costs too much to experiment in there because someone was literally complaining that it costs too much to fail in there because they have to farm segments again. No. Yeah, it depends much. on your segment farm, I guess. Well, yeah. 
And uh, but even our segment farm is keeping up with our farms. Though. Ours is super medium too. Ours is something yeah. anyone can do, and not we yeah. we don't even do cruel joke anymore. We get like six k, which is super medium. Like a pickup group can exceed that or do that, uh, as long as you just don't die, uh, as just a melee group running through there. So that's not hard to do. Yeah, as long as you farm the segments consistently, that's all you really need to do to keep up with the amplifier costs. I want to fight. The so Dahaks. you could totally explain, or you could totally experiment. Well, fighting the Dahaks is a... I don't know about that one. <laughs> I think we could do, based on how we swing it now, once we cap whatever, and, you know, maybe... Because we're doing it now where we do a tier 1 and 2 to cap those, like, Koisty Badars and stuff. I don't know if we're going to cap that anytime soon based on not using an amplifier for them. But yeah. if we were done with them, theoretically, we could probably swing an Aerobody in there as because those are completely different jobs. Uh, the cores yeah. used for Bumba, though. Mm. Yes, so yeah. it, it would just go back to the drawing board of, you know, do we have enough attack to, yeah. to get through it? Well, no, you need you need the core to shoot, too. You can't just have a ranger do it solo. Although the uh, Zola did a, well, and we did it at the end, too, uh, a coreless Bumba. Nice. That seems much more plausible. Yeah, so for you, sure. You put in a Dark Knight instead. What is the Dark Knight? You just damage? It's just an yeah. additional damage source. I've actually been using that uh, in our approaches on like Henwin and stuff towards the end. Is yeah, sure, we're not quite buffed for it, but we're still slaughtering the V15 because we're adding enough damage sources to make up for the attack that an additional fully correctly buffed melee would have. So basically, it evens out at the end if you add enough of a damage source. And you would want to add a Dark Knight because you're already you're already substituting out a source of a major source of attack, and a Dark Knight already has a high native source of attack. So you're you're losing less in that trade. So that 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 trade alpha actually makes a lot of sense. I think if I made my pup sets a little better, where that I could focus more on doing damage with some more pet centric items thrown in there to give me some more DT and coverage, and made a better repair set because I'm kind of just I don't have much repair gear. I have enough to take the puppet from like ten percent to fifty percent. So I need more repair gear. If I had that, because I was already doing well enough last night. My concern, I guess, then becomes pulling hate. But yeah. uh, if I if I had more of a set like that, if the puppet was taking less damage, it would probably also keep better enemy. But, I feel that I could work around losing like certain attack buffs if we were to do like a tier three in there. Also, the the problem that I would run into would be finding the right healer to use. Like, I really think this game needs more healers and it needs more healer options, and we just we just don't have enough of them. Chemist, it's coming. Well, even if even okay, so I've seen this idea circulating around a little bit, um, where what if SE just unlinked all of Summoner's blood packs, just unlink them, just like they did for dancers? I think it would be great too. Yeah. I think it would be a decent healer. I would be fine instead of going blue to uh, gog if <laughs> I could just heal on blue because you can kind of heal on dancer in the other run, but I'd be happy to. Heal on blue because that worked great for Engai. It made blue feel like it was a special job instead of like ADD with option. I know that as the summoner going to Gogmagog because I'm, I'm my damage is tied to like blood pack timers. I would much rather be healing instead of trying to and like, supporting throw too. my pets out. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a lot. It would be a lot better for my role. But summoner is the only thing I could justify because that way I could buff you guys enough to make up for the the stuff that we're using on Bumba's end. Frankly, so. if summoner got any fix in this game at this very moment, that would be to me a single fix that would completely revolutionize and you know buff summoner without changing anything. Yeah, 
There's so many things you want to do on Summoner, but you're limited by your timer. Yes. And it's not just about bringing out more damage. It's just about being more useful to your party. Yeah, you have to support, and Summoner's tied down, and it makes... Summoner gets in its own way of supporting the party. Still limited by your MP pool, yeah, so much. it's still balanced. And they unlinked it before, because it used to just be Blood Pack timers. And, you know, they split it into Rage Ward a long time ago. And I think just uncoupling it all is not... I don't think that's outside of their capability to do, sounds especially like, given what they did to Dancer. But that sounds like work. Well, I mean, it, it, it sounds like there might not be enough feedback for this kind of demand. Like, I, I think the issue stems from whether or not SE feels that there are already enough healers in the game. Because whether we think there's enough healers in the game and whether they think there's enough healers in the game is a completely different situation. Oh, oh, Funk would think I'm completely remiss and, and derelict of my duties here if I did not bring up this here. Um, Very, what is the deal with the SE teams only listening to the Japanese feedback in the forums and not caring about any NAs doing anything besides maybe bug reports? I mean, is that true? That's what everyone seems to think, which is why I asked yeah. it like that. So I want you to say otherwise. It's hard to tell if that's true. I would like to believe it's not. I mean, I, I could. I guess I could tell you that JPs generally feel just about about just as ignored as NAs do. <laughs> okay, see. Um, especially, I mean, so one of the big things is like RMT reporting, and they're just huge oh, well, JP threads on the forum. That's more whining than anything. I'm talking about, you know, Funk thinks, and he's because you know, he's done a bunch of that. I don't know if it's Funk thinks this, but I'm doing this for you, Funk. Um, that you know that the suggestions and requests and things because uh, granted a lot of the na requests are make my job the best on the official forums but a lot of the things that like japanese will get specific questions answered that na's don't get answered in the forums and they'll get uh feedback or you know certain posts and things that are important to understanding the game but aren't given to the na community in the same fashion Right. You know, I think some of it is the fact that uh, or some of that perception is because of the fact that JPs still use some of these, you know, neglected jobs by the NA community. So like take the Black Mage thing, for example, like I said, no, Black Mage is irretrievably broken. It needs to be, you know, supremely patched. Whereas JPs, you know, yes, it's it's, you know, it's slower. It's perhaps less efficient than doing a melee method, but it has its advantages, you know, as far as operability. and so. You know, the JPs don't necessarily see it as, as being as big of a problem. The devs see that some of the community is able to use it. Well, maybe they're not going to patch it in the same way that, that NAs are going to want to. Yeah, they're going to allocate their resources. They're going to allocate the resources that they have towards things that are more of an issue. Like hover shot. Yeah, I, can right. I can see that. Yeah, which, you know, there there actually is a pretty, there was a pretty big backlash against hover shot, even amongst the JPs. They're like, you know, you're you're making this too complex. You know, you have to run back and forth. Uh. Oh, that sounds like NAs. Yep. I don't want to sure. move. I am shooting. <laughs> I've moved, interrupted my aim. My my biggest complaint for Hovershot was just um in that you, you can't even get around like like the shot delay animations and stuff. Because like in the past, like with, with Corsair, for example, and I, this isn't even like using third party tools. But I mean, Corsairs used to be able to solo NMs by using quick draw and blinking during mm -hmm. the quick draw animation to, to keep moving. And that was fully within the mechanics of the game. Right. And uh, with, with, with the awkwardness that is hover shot, though, you have to move, stop and shoot. But there's a component in your shot animation that cannot be blinked. And that's the recoil animation. Mm -hmm. 
and that's uh, that, that's the thing that a lot of people complain about who aren't just cheating their balls off. Right. Shooting the balls off. Cheating the balls off. Oh, cheating their balls off. I they said shooting yeah. their balls off. My bad. Oh, I wish you were shooting your balls off, because then you'd have, like, rangers doing crazy damage, right? <laughs> oh, wait. I didn't know how to take that. Yeah, right. Maybe, hey guys, maybe we shouldn't shoot our balls off. Let's rethink this. Let's keep our balls attached, thank you very much. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I can understand where, where the JPs were coming from, because obviously we had the same notion that, that it feels clunky, but, you know, not all changes... I, I guess that's a knee-jerk reaction, because, like, the the benefit of it could definitely, and, and it has shown to really outweigh the um, the detriment, as long as we're also appropriately pro- approaching the fight with the bright buffs surrounding your ranger. Right. And that's what I think SC wants to encourage, and as far as taking advantage of it, I think there's been a clear demarcation of which side's taking more advantage of it than the other side, but I do yeah. appreciate that, though, the, the way of intricacy of building these mechanics into the game that are often ignored by NAs because they just don't even pay attention to, but then they always come back around, kind of like 80s clothing or something. Mom jeans? The mom jeans. <laughs> that was pre-talk. I don't know about the mom jeans. Yeah, I guess that's right on. Going Sometimes to... I forget what's pre-talk and what's not pre-talk. You, you go to Applebee. <laughs> well, it goes on for so long. You go to Applebee's, man, and you get the, the single mom and the uh, mom jeans. <laughs> So you meet people before the internet. So what's this? Uh, what's this last point you have on here with the bard song duration? All right, so I yeah, I don't do bard, but I mean, so one of the things that I've seen um, is a big difference, at least you know from my reading, is that uh, so NAs don't carry around multiples of Inyanga and AF. Is that right? I don't know. We're gonna have to go to a Felgar oh, thing again. Yeah, no, I I think I see what you're saying now. So you're. Yeah, I see what this means. So you're carrying on your NQ and Yanga, your plus one in Yanga, and your plus two in Yanga, as well as NQ and, and HQ for durations. And you're you're carrying all of these because um, because of the amount of plus um, song that you're able to get in each spell, or you know, is able to, is changes where you know the certain pieces I know where this is going. overlap. Oh, with We've run into this issue recently with a <clears throat> some someone Gar. <laughs> I see what's happening here. Okay, this makes a lot of sense now that it's been put in this this perspective. So I think what they're getting at here is the more song plus you have, the lower in Yanga that you're actually using, so that all your songs have like the same kind of duration, so they're easier to overwrite, right? Exactly. You want to make sure that all of your songs have exactly the same duration, so that you can overwrite them. I am. I right now I'm actually pissed at myself that I've never thought of this. Well, you don't want to carry Be- because pieces. I've actually I've actually explained to our bard in the party. That when you, um, like, if you want to put a ballot on someone and it can't overwrite, like, uh, your your minuet, that you can pianissimo a lower minuet of that that same type. So you could do, like, another Valor, valor minuet uh, four in your dummy set, which has lower duration. And then you just overwrite it with the real ballot because it'll overwrite that song then. Right, right, right. But this is even easier than doing that. Yeah, it's just a little bit harder on inventory, but... It's worth it because when... You have things go wrong, whether it's this spell or something, someone dies or something's missed. You you want to have this option more than the two inventory spots because that is the entirety of your job is getting songs on people. Yeah, some people will be sad that they don't have like an 11 minute song, but a lot of people don't realize that you don't need an 11 minute song. 12 minutes, like actually, a, even. 
yeah, you, you only need like a 10 minute song if you want to be like timer to timer, right? But you don't even need that in a lot of content. Like, let's look at tier three. You can usually kill those mobs in eight minutes or less. Like, why do you need a timer longer than that? So sometimes you don't need to go duration to duration. Like, that would only be a situation for like Dynamis, I guess, if you want maximum efficiency. But even then, you can still throttle back on it and just make sure you're singing more efficiently. I'm right. so mad at myself that I've never thought of this. Just for overriding, it's nice. Yeah. Just even dummy songs, people have trouble sometimes when they have no well, JA up because they've wiped or something or something. Someone died and they're re-singing. I've seen so many bards get really, really lazy about reapplying songs on people because they don't because they don't want to like pianissimo through them. But with this thing right here, they would be able to just reapply the songs. That's kind of like in our video where um, I was telling Felgar, teasing him, uh, Felgar, I can't hear the song of your people. And he's like, shut up, yeah. shut, shut up, shut up. I can't focus, shut up. And it's like, dude, because you're not fucking singing on me. Because I this died, is... he won't pianissimo me. I feel sad that this is blowing <laughs> Out of everything. It wasn't the scanner, it was the, the Inyanga. Yeah, I, guys, I guess I'm just bad. I want to see if I'm sad Funk's not here. We should get him on the line and, you know, like, see Funk, if he does this. Funk, do you carry around zero plus one and plus two in Yanga? God. What's funny is I, I, I could actually just, just go and get the Ultos in Yanga right now, and I probably should. Oh, man. It's, it's just like, and you think of so many times that people waste uh, so much time on the dummy song. Oh, it yeah. can be so much faster. Especially for something like Ambuscade, where you definitely don't need that much duration. Well, I see people sing dummy songs where they're like singing out all of their songs, right? And it's not even the songs they're going to be singing. They have all these like ridiculous dummies that they put up. So there's like, it, like they sing Honor March and then they sing all of these, these just ridiculous morals and, and gavotes. Yeah. When all they need to do is just make sure that they're singing the songs that they intend to sing with their Dardabla on. And then you don't even run into the issue where if you're an Alliance content, you end up with uh, uh, problems with uh, with singing the same dummies as someone else. Like if you're singing the songs that you intend to sing, obviously they're not going to overlap you too. So you don't run into that weird situation where you bard swap and two people are using the same dummy song. Right. Okay. I've never I, understood why people do that. I've got uh, Funkworks in the line here. I've, I've roused <laughs> the Funkworks. He's, oh. at a, he's at a street dance right now. So he says you might not like the background noise. Oh, he says, one sec, I'm getting in. <laughs> I had to know. Quick, get Funk in here. Quick, get him bard on the stuff. horn. The get, yaller horn. Get it, because it's a bard. The yaller horn. Get him on the horn. See what happens. Funk, hey. Hey, what's up? First of all, what is a street dance? It's a Midwestern tradition. It's our small town's little get-together. Like a square dance? No, it's not a square dance. We have a, a band. Everyone gets shit-faced. We have cover and, like, 50 porta-potties. Okay. Oh. That's a solid number. Solid number. It's a good. I think 49 be one too few. Um, yeah, for sure. So we're talking about bard gear, and JPs carry around all NQ plus one and plus two of Inyanga. Do you do that? No, not anymore, especially. Why not? Back when Ambuscade first came out, when you had no other choice, and it was the best thing ever. But no. now you have some other choices. No, all three simultaneously for song duration, different amounts of oh, it. All three? Yeah, NQ plus one and plus two. There's no reason to do that. Why would you want less duration of songs? Okay, back before they fixed the, <laughs> uh, the, the bard songs, when it was hard to overwrite the certain duration songs, and sure, I can understand that. You know, when it was, cause, because basically your songs are always overwritten, it was hard as hell 
to overwrite songs and they fixed it so that now the oldest song overwrites no matter what. Now there's no reason to do that. Wow. Mine's been blown again, Fox. I don't know why <laughs> they would do that. You guys are good man. Uh-oh. This is so great. I guess I'm not drunk enough because I still know what you're talking about. Obviously not. Jeez. <laughs> the, the roller coaster ride of this podcast tonight. I don't know. I could I could say though that, you know, we had a bard in our Odyssey C group who didn't do this method. And they always had problems, especially with giving the white mage ballad and, and me. I usually do rune fencer mambos. Like they 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 would often have problems trying to overwrite both or trying to stick both of them on us. And then even now, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, even now it's hard to still know if you're not a good bard, if you don't have the timers plug in or whatever, it's still hard to know which songs to overwrite and how to do it. I mean, basically with Ballad especially, because Ballad has less of a plus one to the song, but other songs have more. So it's always going to be overwritten unless you do PMACMO and you do it after everything else, you know, so... Right, but in this case, if you if you basically what they do from the JP method is they make all the songs have exactly the same duration, and then it's easier to overwrite in that case. Like you don't have to worry about that, and then it doesn't really necessarily matter as long as you can extend. You're still within, you know, you're still able to last to the next nitro recast. It has to be a perfect duration. You're easy, It's better off just to not use a plus one than to put it on as the NQ plus one or plus two Ianga. You're better off just using the same plus one and using the most Inyanga you can. Yeah, I guess it's it's the question of do they go for just that little bit more effect versus and, and ease of operation versus um yeah, you know, uh, plus, uh, just doing plus one is more effect though. So you want to do the plus one. Plus one's more effect plus duration. So you get both in one stat, then duration's only duration. And Yanga doesn't give effect plus right 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 but the thing is they're able to keep the same amount of effect plus like the maximum amount of effect plus because ballot has less effect plus right they're able to keep the same yeah, amount overall, of effect yeah. plus overall um just by changing the duration okay i could maybe see that but i don't think it's worth the hassle i think you're better off just go doing maximizing your effect plus and don't worry about the duration you should know how to control it well, see, I think this also goes back to how the JPs don't use the timers plugin, and and NAs do. So Funk can see his duration on each and know, and the JPs have no clue, so they have to know they sung a lower duration one. Right. Plus the XI view plugin or add-on, you have the different colors as well. I just eyeball it. And you're good. Huh. That's what? the best thing ever for Bard, though. Is the XI view? You can stick the ballad is green, the yeah. magical is purple. So funk. This it's good is, for you too, so you can tell the bard, "Hey, I'm missing this song." Instead of having to push the plus button, and you know, I did it to Felgar the other night for Bumba. I go, Felgar, why do I have a min? And he's like, "I gave you two. I go, "No, not not minuet. I go a mini. I have a I have an Earth icon here. This is a yellow. This is a yellow song." And he's like, "Oh, wait, hold on." And his JA's wore off. <laughs> yeah, I heard last podcast we talk about Felgar not knowing the songs or gods. Like, just use your plugin. Do them all. Just talk, talk to him, and you're good. But Funk, this is various. He's our uh he's not from the Midwest, but he's our local East Asian studies PhD expert. Oh, what's the episode about? Oh, NAJP relations, and it came up with their different methods of testing and stuff, and he, like the last bullet here is in Yanga, and it's talking about this. I go, wait, wait, let me get Funk on the line. <laughs> You're lucky I saw my or I felt my phone vibrate, so I wouldn't have even seen this. Cause yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's pretty late where you are, so I didn't know if you were even asleep or something. Yeah, just because it's today, I would have been asleep normally, but I would otherwise not. 
Anyway, thank you for your emergency contribution, Funk. Appreciate it. Go back to your square. <laughs> I'm glad it could be of help. Go back to your square dance. We we're sorry yeah, for the bother. Yeah. Thank you. Call. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the time you guys hear this, my 2012 history of Final Fantasy will be out. Oh, sweet. Nope. Look at this. Ooh. This is this is like the stars aligning. It's going to be this next week. So by the time the next podcast is out, it'll be out. So. Oh, Funk, also, I, I did something in your name before I called you because I wasn't going to until the bar thing happened. It was about how uh, the JPs get responses in the forums and the NAs don't. Do you want to add anything to that before you go? Yes. When I asked them when they did the Reddit AMA, I'm like, dude, give us the weekly translations of these posts you do every Friday. It'd be nice for us to know them. And I did it for like maybe two, three, four months, and they just stopped all of a sudden. No, no. They did it for four months. And they did like every other week, then every three weeks, and it just stopped. It's like, dude, it'd be nice to know this, even though we can figure it out ourselves. You know, we stock them and we stock the posts. It's like, it'd be a nice little, hey, here you go. And it's even though they do the digest for us, that's so scripted, though. They do the little uh, every two months, fresh to pick van deal. And it's like not scripted and it's fun and, you know, and a couple hours long. But now they have like a, Less than five minute scripted video for us, and that's it. You know, I like this new Funk Works, where instead of being quiet doing Dynamis in the podcast <laughs> and not paying attention to us, he's had a few drinks and he's lively, and he's like, he's in this. <laughs> well, next time you invite me on, then we do the Mythic episode. I have to have a couple of drinks beforehand. Yeah, no Zevia. No, no Zevia. <laughs> I'll mix it with Zevia. How about that? Oh God, what is this? Oh, a Zevia and Coke? A Jack and Zevia? Zevia Coke, yeah. <laughs> Jack and Zevia. Anyway, go <laughs> go back to it, Funk. Thank you. Appreciate right, the contribution. Later, Later, man. Thanks, yeah. dear. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, people still have fun outside this game, apparently. I didn't know it was a Midwestern tradition. What is this? I'm missing out on these things. Like we have disco fries. But that's not very exciting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I want to go to. He's easy like a hoedown right now. It's a hoedown. Street dance. A street dance. Is that like a block party? I, I was thinking, is that like, you know... <laughs> it kind of sounds like a block party from the South, because we used to have those when, when I lived in the South. Yeah, sometimes you have them like Hoboken, you know? Oh, what do you got in Hoboken besides cold stone and the water? Furies, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then and, and, and the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> You're the last stop before you uh, go through to Neverland. Yeah. At that rate, um, is there anything we haven't covered? This is this has been. An, oh. I don't know. If this redeems the last episode. Hopefully, it does. It's a lot better than the last episode for sure. Well, it's not a question of being better. We know it's better. If I if I can say something with like you know Funk talking about the translations, it definitely does seem that they they just have a really big issue having Japanese to English translators, or like of any quality, because. If you look at like all of like when you know the JP client, like the text is all fine. You you rarely have any issues with that, but you just see so many localization errors. The translations. Oh my god! That was the one thing we found out that they watch is the localization thread in auction house. They apparently look at. But I they, think that anyone who's even semi bilingual, though, like like an NA person who's bilingual to Japanese, should be able to see what the Japanese sentence is or, or like sentence structure or whatever the message is from that sentence and be able to localize it ourselves better than probably trying to do it the other way around. Well, they had right. 
Kamate. Is that the right way of saying his name? It's everyone calls him Kamet. I don't I don't know which yeah. way it is. Kamate, yeah. Yeah, so we had Kamate and then they no longer have Kamate. So they had their opportunity. Right. And then now you just get um Matsui and his two sentences of English. Yeah. The rainy season's approaching here again. Thanks, Matsui. I'm looking forward to the update. Thanks for the notes. Well, that's uh, that's a Japanese thing. Like I know, but he posted recently thing. in the update. It's Talk like about okay. the weather. Yeah, the rainy Talk season's about. coming. It's like, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's like when you write a, a mail email. I, I always like to start off with that too. Yeah, like it, it it humanizes it, is what it does. Yeah. Yeah, but I always I I always kind of like see through that as like a an attempt to try and be like, hey, we're relating. It's like, no, we're not. Just give me what you give me. <laughs> we don't have a relationship, Matsui. Oh, but he has a relationship with you. That's that's a bunch of chop suey. Yeah. The uh I guess I don't know, I haven't really seen too many issues with, with translations. I guess it is more so recently as opposed to times. Right. I can understand the extra workload. You don't want to have to if I was at the company, I'd be like, well, fuck them. They don't need it. <laughs> Play the game and shut up. <laughs> but, you know, it is a lot of extra work to do that, and they're not keeping someone on the payroll to do that, so I wouldn't expect some guy to go home on his toilet with his phone typing things up for us. Yeah, and it's just like having someone go through things with, like a fine-tooth comb. So, like, there was an error on the Ranger Empyrean legs, where it's like true shot plus two, they say, but it's actually plus four, and the JP client had the same error but they fixed it in the jp but not the na <laughs> that one's just lazy you know when you're gonna fix that as you check every client come on they don't even i'm have sure the if French they still had the german if they still had the german client i'm sure you'd be still using it you'd be using that one right Spence? no 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 i'm not that pretentious but they don't i was gonna say they don't have the french and german clients anymore so come on what is it you check one other thing yeah. all shenanigans on you not being that pretentious <laughs> i I enjoy something, Fox. I'm not pretentious. I would never, I will never be that. I am, I am what I am. I will never be that, but I do enjoy it. So the pretzel thing, Fox, now that you're mentioning the German things, the pretzel thing oh. is getting out of control, apparently. What, what pretzel thing? What's going on with this? Did you not say the pretzel? Oh, no, that was, that was Surge. Oh, my God, I'm mixing you up with Surge. I know you're both big guys, but. What the hell? Oh, my, I got to pull up the PM now. Does he, does he have a voluptuous neck beard as well? He does. You saw him in the picture. Oh. I posted the of the wedding. He was there. He was in the background. Yeah, I, I saw the picture. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I probably skimmed it. So uh, his sister sent him a text here, and it's like, da 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 sounds good. You know, uh, I'll send you home with some birds, da 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 And they send a lax text here and goes, you like pretzels, right? And then he goes, this pretzel joke's getting out of hand. It's entering other conversations now. Wow. I don't know if you knew how big of the dilemma at the, what the wedding the pretzels were. The, the, oh, the, the pretzels were a great source of animosity. So I, I don't know if I... A surge was there for the pretzel debacle. Well, I, I don't know these, if I properly shared crispy, it. Were they crispy pretzels or were they soft pretzels? Like they were going to be soft, like big soft pretzels. Yeah, I, I shared this in the Discord before. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, they're great, but apparently it wasn't it wasn't acceptable, and Carrot didn't want it to happen, and didn't want me spending time doing fucking pretzels. So I mean, it'd be... it's not like you blasted open a go- uh, like a bag of rolled gold, you know? <laughs> like if these these like as long as like the pretzels were you know nice, I, I, I picked up I picked up good mustard and everything. The good mustard. The good mustard. And what a to do. 
Yes. It, He's it, super mad about the, the fucking pretzels situation. It, it spilled over into like a fight with the family, and it spilled over into a fight with her, and it spilled. It was a big deal. The pretzels, single handedly, the pretzels were a, a big thing. And I don't want to wake Carrot up to talk about the pretzels like funk. That's not worth it. But. Honestly, I, I'm probably going to agree with you here in a second. I'm of the opinion that the people getting married should enjoy the food that's at their party. So if you want pretzels, man, have your fucking pretzels. I wanted to make pretzels. There you go. Uh, so, I think that's about it. Unless there's any other last words or anything we didn't touch on. It's about good for now. Yeah, for now. Is there going to be a part? No, there's no part two. <laughs> but Various, you were awesome. I appreciate you coming on. And volunteering, in fact, because we did not seek you out. You mentioned something to us. Yeah, it's been great. So it's, it's fun talking with you. Yeah, I, yeah, thanks for coming on. This has been really eye-opening for me, particularly. I, I can't speak for Spicy, but I, I'm sure it's the same. With but eyes yeah, wide like, open. Yeah, the, the, the stuff you said, just like, for, even from a mechanic standpoint, I, I don't know whether I should feel upset or or what, but I can't believe... It, it's either I'm mystified that I've missed all of these things, or I'm just kind of sad that we don't get the particulars about things, like when things are updated or released. It's a whole um, new world. I enjoy the fact that I'm still finding out things about this game. A um, brand new place you've never seen. Basically, that's, yeah. That's really what it's about, yeah. That, that's why it you know, has so much attraction. And, you know, I think that's really, uh, you know, hopefully through this, through this kind of, you know, comparison and, and looking through different ways, you know, different lenses, um, yeah. you know, people learn things, you know, new ways of, of approaching it. And, uh, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, if we want to get to a larger moral point about all of this, that's really the the attraction of of studying a different culture, right? So um, people dealing with the same issues, and but you know different ways based on their own historical background and things like that. And knowing yeah, half the battle, yeah, knowing half the battle. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if anyone else wants to come on and talk about a topic. You got a lot to live up to. The bar's been set pretty high with this one because, you know, today we learned about studying abroad and, uh, you know, the, the bar's set pretty high now. But everyone else wants to come on or write us an email with your questions, suggestions. I don't know if we should include the links to any of these blogs or any of these things we talked about. You know, you'll have to send them over to us uh, very... Besides oh, the, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you send some videos. But I don't know how much to link into the description of the uh, podcast here. Not that I don't know if anyone even really reads them, so I I usually just put shit in there too. <laughs> just <laughs> you, we've seen. Yeah. I put some stuff in there, but yeah. Otherwise, reach out to us at wtfinvonadeal at gmail.com. or write us a YouTube comment. Those are fun, and apparently, some people I keep forgetting to mention this. I I don't often check the Apple Podcast thing, but apparently, some people gave us some five star reviews, which was nice of you. I don't know what that does. I, I don't care because we're not monetizing it. It's nice, though. So I guess I care in the fact that people like us and it's nice in that regard. Uh, but in the typical sense of like, ring that bell, and subscribe, we're not we're not about that life. So hopefully it's just, you know, at least better algorithm, like to reach people. That way we can make yeah. sure the conversation gets to as many people as it, possible. It would help the algorithm. So if you want to spread our yeah. shitposting boat here, uh, <laughs> by all means smash your bottle against the side of your Chernobyl and Forge monitor like Fox has and uh, set us out adrift here into everyone's computer screens or phones. 
This isn't 2012 internet. We have phone. 2012 divide. <laughs> that was also a pre-show people don't know about is someone complained that uh, my snarkiness, it wasn't really a complaint so much as a uh, distaste that my uh, snarkiness in the 1 to 119 is very pre-2012 internet. As if there's a clear divide oh, here, yeah. like like Thanos snapped their fingers in 2012, and the divide is clear. Ridiculous shit. I love it because it's ridiculous. But no. Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're done here. And on that note, uh, later, guys. <laughs>